We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Thunderstruck. Adjective. Shocked and amazed by the power of fun on Carnival. Riding Bolt, the world's first roller coaster at sea, Brian got thunderstruck so hard, his 93-year-old grandmother felt it 3,000 miles away in Nebraska and immediately booked a cruise. Hooray! Get thunderstruck starting at 289. Carnival. Choose fun. Cruises are in U.S. dollars per person, double occupancy. Taxes, fees, import expenses, additional restrictions apply. Full details on Carnival.com. Ships Registry, Bahamas, Panama. You want to go. Yes. Go travel. Go explore. Go find a new city. Go reconnect with friends. Go have fun. That's why we created OnGo, the trusted rapid COVID-19 self-test. OnGo gives you accurate COVID test results and peace of mind in just minutes. So anywhere you go, you know. You'll know if you're COVID-19 free. And you'll know you're protecting loved ones. OnGo is readily available at letsongo.com, Amazon, Walgreens, or Walmart.com. Use promo code ONGO15 for 15% off at letsongo.com today. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. This week on the Garage Beers Podcast, it is episode 71, and we've got yet another amazing special guest this time from Cleveland.com. He's a reporter, he's a social media producer, and if you know anything else about him, he's a singer, he's a cycling instructor. We've got the one and only Hayden Grove joining us. Hayden's going to come on to talk some sports, to talk some life. We've got our Garage Beers of the Week, we've got our three cheers of the week, and so much more. So come on up the driveway, break open your favorite lawn chair, crack open a cold one, and join us for Garage Beers. And welcome on in, everybody. Episode 71 of the Garage Beers podcast brought to you proudly on the Belly Up Sports podcast network. Go check them out, Belly Up Sports, on all their social media. And check out some of the other podcasts on there. They do great work, especially now. Lots of hockey podcasts on there. And with Stanley Cup, the playoffs going on, the finals going on, a lot of good stuff happening. So go check out Belly Up Sports now. We love being part of that network. Uh, Go follow Garage Beers on all of our social media at the garage beers on Twitter, on Instagram, find us on our Facebook page, our TikTok page, our YouTube channel. Go give us a follow on all of those pages. uh, If for nothing else to help us, uh, because the more followers we have, the better chances we are have of landing great guests like the one we have for you tonight, but we're going to get to that in a minute. 
With you, as always, I am your host, Michael Keefe. Go find me at Garage Beers Mike. And over on the east side of Cleveland, it's my buddy Chad Meyer at Garage Beers Chad. What's up, Chad? Hi. Hi. Boys, I've got a bombshell to start the uh, the, the pod tonight. Oh, do tell. Uh, yes. Got it. And anybody who listens to this podcast on a regular basis is going to laugh and make fun of me, just like you guys will after you hear this bombshell. Uh, so, like so, yeah, pretty much. So, uh, <clears throat> I got a DNA test from uh, Ancestry.com, right? Oh, how big just of a just, Neanderthal are you? Just to find out my heritage. <laughs> just to find out my heritage. Uh, you know, uh, 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 imagine, imagine thinking you're uh, German and Italian your whole life, and then all of a sudden you find out you're also French and Jew. Uh, anyway, uh, um, so I, I decided to look into this, this, this French and Jewish portion of my heritage. And I, I found that my ancestors, because they have like these things called through lines, they give you like, and it, like DNA matches where, where it shows you, you know, your different ancestors. The uh, French Jewish side of my family uh, settled up in Quebec there. Now you say Ooh. Montreal, Quebec. Oh, well, now you can speak with that accent. With the last name. Oh, God. Oh, no. Oh, no. DeChambeau. No! No! You are a DeChambitch? <laughs> a DeChambitch. No oh, way. my God. Oh, no way. Oh, a DeChambitch. no way. Yeah. Yeah. So I have oh, a, a DeChambeau. A DeChambeau runs in these veins. So oh, fuck you guys for making fun of my cousin. Oh, no. No. Yeah. Well, yeah. That was a bombshell. Unfortunately, ladies and gentlemen, episode 71 is Chad's last episode on the podcast. <laughs> right. Because we ain't having no Bryson DeSham bitch on this podcast. Yeah. Uh, 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 uh. Dude, that is, that is, you know, that's a really cool story. Uh, Joe, I don't know if you've done it, but Kate, your your sister did it uh, with me. We did like the 23 oh, yeah. and me. And like her genetic thing came back as expected, like totally as expected. Yeah. I did it and mine came back very much as expected, right? I knew I'm Swedish. I knew I have German and Dutch heritage. I knew I'm yeah. very Irish. But then came back this like 10% Slovenian thing. <laughs> and it was like, it was actually just kind of cool. Like, like right. Cleveland and the Slovenian population. Uh, of course, somebody, some one of these German, Swedish, Irish people probably <laughs> got hitched to a Slovenian at some point or whatever. So it's not out of the it's not crazy that it's there. I just didn't know about it until we did it. So like right. Cleveland does this big Slovenian festival, this like Carentavania thing. Now, all of a sudden I'm like, Hey, those are my people. Let's go. These are my people. Let's go. Slovenia, uh, Ljubljana yeah. or whatever this capital is. Let's do yeah. that. It, yeah. it, it was a cool thing. I, I, mine was cool though. Yours told you you're a Desham bitch and that. Right. Is, yeah. Love. Right. Yeah, I mean, like, it mine happened as expected too. I mean, but there was a couple other cool things in there. Like, I was a little, I'm, <coughs> I'm a little bit Scottish, a little bit Welsh as well, mostly in the uh, northwestern uh, European countries. But it's, it's it's pretty cool. That's awesome. All right, so Chad figuring out his heritage live with us on the air, and joining us also from Nashville. Wait a minute, I mean, sitting Wait right next, sitting right next to me on the west side of Cleveland. It's Joey Whalen at Garage Beers. Joe, what's up, Joe? I'm just happy to be here, to be honest. Glad to be here. I'm glad to be here. You know what? <laughs> I am doing something this week that I didn't think I was going to do. 
Not ever again. But this year, I'm going to an Indians game on Friday. Woo! Oh, yeah. I'm so excited. I'm going to go to a sport game. A, a sports, sport match. A sports ball in game. Sport. Go yeah. sports. Go that's all, sports. That's all I got. I'm just happy to be here. Sports are happening. I'm with family. Man, I got to tell you, it killed me a little bit on the inside because Joe's dad, again, if you've never listened to the podcast, Joe's my brother-in-law. My father-in-law. Allegedly. Alleged, yeah. It's no, I mean, like literally, legally, literally, it's it's like on paper. It's it's DNA test. DNA test. I I don't think the DNA test proves that we're brothers. Oh, there should be. There should be. There should be. Uh, Anyways, I can't tell you how much I died a little bit on the inside because my father-in-law, Joe's dad, texted the group the other day and said, hey, I just scored four tickets to the Indians game on Friday. Which one of the Keefs wants to go? (laughs) It's it's my mother-in-law and father-in-law. It's Joey. And then it's down to, so those three have tickets. And that's down to me and my wife. (laughs) And so I I died a little on the inside, but you know what? I'm going to make myself look like the good man here. I also understand somebody has to take care of the four-year-old and the six-week-old. And I, so I texted Katie and I said, she really has had no chance to like get out and do anything fun like that in the six weeks since Lucy was born. So I said, I texted Katie. I said, why don't you go to the tribe game on Friday? So the original Whalen crew going to the tribe game on Friday, but you know what, you know what my luck has it, you know what the world rewarded me for doing something good. And Rob Polinsky out at W E O L sent me an email the same day and said, Hey, Mike, I got Indians tickets if you want them. So just let me know a couple of days you want to go to an Indians game. I'll get you tickets. And I'm like, all right. Look, look at that. So I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited for you guys, but but for me later. Right. Sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's 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 brownie points as well. You know, happy wife, happy life. That's how you get rewarded. Yeah. That's cool. Hey, something like that. That's fine. <laughs> That's cool. Some rendition. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. So so we're here in the garage. We're excited for episode 71. We got a really, really special guest coming up uh, uh, that we're very excited to get it get to you. Chad and I talked to from cleveland.com, uh, sports reporter, social media producer, singer, uh, just good guy extraordinaire, Hayden Grove. Chad and I talked to him, so we'll get you to that interview in a bit. However, before we do that, we got to get to our uh, our most special episode or a part of our episode every week and that is our garage beers of the week and so being that you're here in ohio joe we're gonna let you kick it off with the garage beers of the week and i feel you've got a very timely beer here such an honor you're welcome thank you you're welcome thank you i i appreciate the honor well i expect you to call me your honor from now on your honor uh (laughs) as in perfect timingliness timingliness yep that's that's a thing uh, the day this episode drops will be the first day of July. And so we're going to celebrate that with the Thirsty Dog, 12 Dogs of Christmas in July. Hold that up. Hold that up. Well, that's they're beautiful. not going to see, well, see it. Well, they're not going to see it. But we can hold it up for us to look at. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Let Chad see it. Yeah, Chad can see it. Look at that, Chad. How about oh, that? Oh, that looks beautiful. good. Now, <laughs> yeah. full disclaimer, it does say in July. So if you, if you see this at the, the store, uh, it's not skunk beer. It's actually you know, brewed fresh for July. This isn't like leftover beer from December that they're rebranding. I, I there, just want to point, I'm going to cut there, in here. There might be some confusion. With I'm going to cut in here. I'm going to cut in for like 10 seconds yeah. though, because also remember that near Christmas time, Joe said, I'm having Christmas ale for my garage beer of the week because 
the only time of the year you can find it is Christmas. You literally can still find. <laughs> well, it's not Christmas sale. Yeah, but you literally can still find Christmas sale. I it's still fine. It. <laughs> <laughs> it's every time. Anyways, full disclosure, I do have yeah. about like two you guys two Christmas. You guys should fight about it. Two Christmas sales in my fridge in Nashville. Just fight about it. Uh, but as always, it got a little cooler today, so we're going to uh, have a little warmer beer. <laughs> and, Makes uh, perfect sense. Yeah, very more Christmassy beer. And beer. Awesome. All right. Uh, Chad, That I don't know what you got, but that looks delicious. Let's send it over to you on the east side. What's your garage beer of the week? Uh, well, fellas, um, uh, going local again this week, and we're but we're, this time we're going back to Collision Bend. I haven't been there in quite a while. Uh, you, yeah. Oh, you guys are miming. I like it. I like everything you're doing right now. Uh, uh, I'm going back to Collision Bend Brewing, and this is Sprite Lightning. Look at that can. I can't wait for you to tell me how that is. I've seen that at Heinen's like 15 times. Yeah, it's an Imperial Red Ale uh, because I won't get uh, an Imperial. Uh, but uh, anyway. It has deep malty flavors, which are balanced oh, beautifully with blasts of citrusy. We hope you love it. We think we've finally captured lightning in a bottle. Uh, Woo! It's it's uh it's good. It's good, guys. Yeah, it's it's pretty tasty. I'm not gonna. I'm not. It, it's slightly hoppy, but a lot more citrusy. It's very good. Ooh, I'm gonna have to try. Like I said, I've seen it at Heinen's, and I'm very intrigued by it because the can is cool and it's Collision Ben. And all that. Right. And again, I feel like one of the weaknesses of Cleveland breweries, and I think we have some of the most phenomenal breweries in the country, but one of the weaknesses is Cleveland breweries can their most generic, boring beers and sell yeah. them in the stores. Like when you go yeah. to buy them at the grocery store, or whatever, it's always like their most boring, generic beers. So when I see one from Collision Ben that looks like that, and I'm like, oh, that's different. I always want to try it. Right. So I'm going to have to give it a shot. So, so far we've got Thirsty Dog. We've got Collision Ben. I'm going to keep it in Ohio, but I'm going to take it down to Cincinnati. And I'm going to go to Rheingeist Brewery. Oh, so uh, Rheingeist, yeah. I'm going to go to the Rheingeist, yeah. yeah. It's your Zima <laughs> and your Smirnoff Ices. In your strip malls. <laughs> your Gam Gam was a whore. Uh, uh, <clears throat> I'm going to take it to Rheingeist in Cincinnati. Uh, and this is credit. I always give... Uh, shout out to the people that gave me the beer. Uh, uh, giving me the beer this week was my cousin's husband, Adam, Adam Sourwine. So shout out to Adam. He brought this for me when he came over for dinner last weekend. This is called the Cloud Harvest 05. And it is an unfiltered, juicy IPA, which is right up my alley. Pow, 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 juicy IPA. Uh, it's really good. It's not... It's a little subtle on the flavor, which makes it really good for like a nice summer beer. It's just it's it's just a nice summer juicy IPA. I'm not mad about it. Shout out to Adam. Shout out to Ohio Beers on the podcast, right? Thirsty Dog and uh, uh, Collision Bend and Rheingeist, all Ohio beers. So it's an all Ohio kind of podcast. Uh, and so that's what we're drinking this week. Get onto our socials at The Garage Beer. Let us know what you're drinking. If you've tried a beer, if you're listening to this and you've tried a beer that we should try, if you've tried one recently that you're like, oh my God, this beer is amazing. Get onto our socials. Let us know so that we can try it on the podcast as well. But those are our Garage Beers of the Week. Cheers to you guys here on the podcast. Cheers to you, the listener. And now it is time 
for us to get into our episode. And we're going to jump right in. We're so excited for this. Like I said before, from cleveland.com, Chad and I had the chance to talk to Hayden Grove, and he is absolutely phenomenal in pretty much every way. So enjoy this interview with cleveland.com's own Hayden Grove. All right. And now we are so excited. We've had so many special guests on this podcast. This episode, episode 71, no different. We got a great special guest. Uh, If you're a Cleveland sports fan, you know this guy because he is literally everywhere, whether it's the Cavs, the Browns, the Indians, uh, whether you're a fan of music and you see him singing around town, uh, wherever you are, you see this guy everywhere, uh, all around great guy. Find him on Twitter at H underscore Grove. It's Hayden Grove from Cleveland.com. Hayden Grove, welcome to the Garage Beers podcast. Thank you guys for having me. And like I said, the only thing I wish is that I wish we had some garage beers and, um, a little bit of breaking news. You can hear I'm here at Progressive Field. Uh, Jose Ramirez took a took a foul ball to the face. Uh, I think they got him a little uh, got him a little bandage or something, and he looks like he's going to be okay. So good news for the Indians. Like if there's anybody on the Indians that could just take a ball to the face and like kind of spit it off. Like I imagine he spit a few times and then just went to first base. Like it's yeah. Jose Ramirez. Yeah, I mean he literally. I mean the funny part is that he still has the bat. So. Um, <laughs> You know, he's not going to first God. base. He, he, he didn't walk. Oh. He swung the bat and hit him in the face. Oh, Jose, we love you, man. Jesus. Now, what's now? Now, Hayden, you said you wish you were cracking some beers with us. What's the beer of choice whenever you are uh, whenever so you're I'm very, drinking I'm a, I'm, I'm a very big seasonal beer guy, so, like, depends on the season. So, if it's, like, a summer, I want to hear – I want, like, a summer shandy or, like, a, a berry beer, like a, a Fathead's Bumbleberry. Okay. Just something light, light, you know, kind of crisp. And then I, during the winter – you know, I love the heavier beers, Christmas sales. Uh, it, it all kind of depends on the weather and what I'm feeling. Right. Oh, so you mean 95 and humid is not the time for a porter, huh? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if it's what's if it's what's available, then yes. <laughs> okay, gotcha, gotcha, yeah. If the porter's on tap, we're not going to say no to it. Right. If right. that's the only thing that's left, fine. I feel like you're very much a Chad. Chad's very much like that. Chad? Yeah, I've noticed you're a seasonal beer drinker. You just kind of take it as it comes, whereas I kind of stick to my two things and then venture off every once in a while. What's your two things? So I'm a, I'm a huge IPA guy, and I love stouts. Okay. And I will drink a stout if it's 95 degrees outside. I don't care. It's delicious. See, like I said, like I said, it doesn't matter as long as it's on. It's ready to go. That's right. That's right. I love IPAs too, but yeah, I mean, those are all you can drink an IPA, but, but like a different kind of IPA, like in the summer, maybe you want like a hazy New England IPA, or in the winter, you want like a more bitter us. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. See, all right, Hayden. You know what? Hayden, someday when you have a day off again in 2036, we're going to have to do this again at a point where you can have a beer with us. But again, as you heard before, uh, Hayden's coming to you, coming to us live. He's talking to us from Progressive Field, from the Tribe game. Uh, so if any other cool things happen down there, you just feel free to cut in on us and let us know. But oh, I Jose Ramirez is up and moving. He's up and moving. He's good to go. He's at third base right now. That's what we like to hear. All right. So, so here's what I want to start with Hayden. And and we're going to, we're just going to do a lot of sports talk, just a lot of Cleveland sports. And then we're going to get into a little bit of you too, but you made a tweet, you made a tweet and it's similar to something that I was talking about the other night, but I I loved it. I want to talk about it for a little bit. You you made a tweet about Terry Francona Mm -hmm. on your Twitter again at H underscore Grove. You brought up national recognition of Tito and it seems like, especially a little bit more recently, his status as like an elite manager, people recognizing that nationally is dwindling. And 
So we're, I'm kind of wondering what that is. Uh, you know, it, it's a, that's a great topic of conversation. Is it a Cleveland thing, right? Is it, you know, early in his career, when he first came to Cleveland, he was loudly recognized around the league as one of the great managers. I think manager of the year, all that, that seems to have faded. Uh, is it, the thing that gets me is it the LeBron treatment. And what I mean by that is once you win enough MVPs, they stop giving you MVPs, right? The LeBron treatment. Cause LeBron's been the MVP since his last MVP. They just don't give him the award anymore. Uh, or is it this lack of postseason success that he's had the last five years? I think it could be a combination of all of that. I really do. I think it could be a combination of, you know, you're right. When he got to Cleveland, he was, you know, lauded as one of the best, uh, one of the best managers of baseball. You know, I think, I think it also has to do with Francisco Lindor leaving with, you know, with there being less of a spotlight in Cleveland now. Um, you know, I mean, during in 20, after the 2016 World Series, I mean, you know, you had a pretty stacked team. You had Carlos Santana, Jason Kippers, you had Francisco Lindor, you had Jose Ramirez, you had Edwin Encarnacion. I mean, you had, you had some pretty legitimate, you know, big names. And Cleveland was definitely lauded as one of the best teams in uh, Major League Baseball. But now it's more like, okay, the Indians are kind of doing it with smoke and mirrors and they have some good pitching, but like, you know, there just isn't that marketability that they used to have. And again, it wasn't super marketable, I guess you could say, but there certainly was more marketability, marketability back then than there is now. Um, and I think that has to do with it too, because Tito's done the same job. He's done the same exact job. I mean, yes, the postseason success necessarily hasn't been there lately, um, but he's done the same exact job with these teams and he's had them ready to play and he's gotten them there. He's gotten them there no matter the circumstances, no matter who's, you know, leaving, who's staying, doesn't matter. Um, so I think Tito deserves all the recognition. He, you know, he should get more recognition as one of the best managers in the league. And then I think your other point with the LeBron thing is that, you know, when you do it so well for so long, you know, Tito is always going to be recognized once when you kind of look at Cleveland, you look kind of, okay, well, their manager is Tito. I mean, obviously that helps. So I think you're right in that vein too, is that it's, it's a little bit of the fatigue factor, I, I believe. Now, if you're making a mark now, if you're making like a, like a pie chart of like, of like why, why, like the reason why, you know, he doesn't get nationally recognized. Just give me anymore. like high school PTSD right there, Chad. Yeah, I don't pretty, want pretty, pie charts. Pretty, no. pretty much, pretty much. But like, <laughs> Like, I, I, I don't know, to, to me, you know, baseball, you know, a manager in, in the major sports, a, a baseball manager, yes, he's making like roster decisions as far as in game, like he's going to move this guy here, this guy there. But ultimately, mm -hmm. isn't it, isn't it, isn't it a player's game? Like how much, like, like with, with how much, God, what am I trying to say here? I don't even know what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> How much, uh, is it the fact that like, I, would you say a majority of that is, is that he is in Cleveland and it's a smaller market and it's not as recognized in major league baseball as a, as a Boston was, uh, because it seems to me like a manager in baseball doesn't affect the game as much as the players who are actually playing the game. Do you see what I'm trying to say? I do. I do. I'd see exactly what you're trying to say. So basically your point, and, and I agree with your point is that, you know, the baseball is a, a player's game, you know, it's there. Yes, the manager is the leader and he you kind of follow the guidelines of the way he wants you to play the game and, you know, in terms of shifts and in terms of bullpen management and all that good stuff. But at the same time, it's like, you know, in the NFL, you know, coaches are pretty much the, the generals, the architects and, you know, and they get, do get a lot of credit. But for baseball, it's more of a player's game. You're right. It's a lot like basketball in that way, in my opinion. So maybe it's more so that, that the game is going more towards that kind of player's mentality. Um, and then you're right. I think being 
you know, him being in Boston with Poppy, with Manny Ramirez, with, um, you know, Josh Beckett, with, with all their great, great players. I mean, that certainly helped. And then, you know, when he started in Cleveland, his first year, he had huge free agent signings with Swisher and Bourne. Um, <laughs> for Cleveland at least. And, uh, they didn't really work out, yeah, but I mean, we're so excited, bro. Ohio. I know we, I was, of course I was excited. I, think I had a bro. Ohio t-shirt. Oh yeah. I still do somewhere. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but like, but the, 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 the success has been the same. And, you know, I thought about something too, just, just when you mentioned that, I mean, last year with all the health stuff, you know, he's been away from the game a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe that just took some of the spotlight away. I don't know. I think, uh, you know, I think ultimately, though, the luster, ha- it, it will come back. you got to win in the postseason a little bit. You, it, yeah. Like, the, these, the last three postseason appearances weren't just bad. They were disasters. Mm-hmm. They, they were non-competitive. They were mm-hmm. non-competitive postseason appearances. Uh, and then you have yeah. the one, and then you have the one non-appearance in there as well. Since yeah. 2016, it has been a non-competitive run in the postseason. And, and I know, and we'll, we'll get back to this a little bit, but like, I know he gets a lot of credit for, like you said, putting them in position every year to get there. But at some point you don't just get there at some point, right. you got to do something. That's if you look at all the hot managers every year in baseball, the Kevin Cashes and all that, it's, it's because their teams don't just get there. They make runs. And, and I love Terry. And, and I've said this on this podcast a thousand times. If they want to sign him to a lifetime contract, if he wants to manage the Indians until he's dead, <laughs> I'm fine with it. I'm happy with that. Mm-hmm. But at some point to get that recognition back, you got to make a run and, and they haven't done it in almost five years. Yeah. And I get that. I do. I understand that. But I think it was specifically like um, last year with Shane Bieber. I mean, you didn't expect them to go out and just, that, that's not on Tito, right? That's not on right. Tito that for, for Bieber to be terrible. And then, right. um, and then, you know, the game after, I believe, I forget who started, but it was another close back and forth, like late run game. It's just, you know, I think baseball can sometimes be a really fickle sport and sometimes you just got to be hot at the right time and you got to get the right hit. You know, if we're, if we're being honest, I mean, well, I forget it was game. They were playing the Yankees game. Uh, was it five, four? I don't know. They were playing the Yankees a couple years ago and, and Francisco Lindor hits a home run, but Darren Judge is six foot nine and, and right. goes up and gets it. I mean, it was 2017. 2017 exactly so it's like you know yeah. there are little things that just haven't happened and i don't i, can, I don't think you can expect every you know every indians team to make the, to make the alcs and to, to win the world series so you're right though once they get back there and i don't know if they can with this team to be honest with you i don't know if they can i think that's what's so impressive with what tito's done with this group now is there now is there a point where where now we've had this conversation many a times on this podcast. Is there a point where not winning in the postseason, but being competitive in the division every year uh, and, and competing for a division title? Is there a point where you, you know you say that that's enough? I mean, I know. Don't get me wrong. I'm with Mike. I'm. I hope Tito, you know, manages this team until until his death. But uh, you know, when I don't know. I, I, I guess when does that become? The, the straw that breaks the camel's back. Like how long, like, like how long, how long do the Indians just compete for the division? And that's it. Like when is, I don't know, is, is there a time limit for that? Or is it just <laughs> going to be, or, or, or is this just going to be something that we can, we're, we're going to have to deal with uh, for a while. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I think, I think your questions I think are killing it tonight, Chad. I, my, my, I, I'm yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, you're exactly right though, but I think we're there. I think what, I think the ownership has forced us to be there. Um, 
in terms of, you know, just not, not being able to sign these franchise players for, um, for, you know, the long-term. And uh, I think that that's not a Tito thing, but yeah, I think we're there. I think we're at the point where right now um, competing for uh, competing for uh, central division championship is where we're going to be for the foreseeable future. And if they're able to do that, then I think Tito is doing his job. That's just my opinion. Uh, that's fair. And we're going to come back to that a little bit, but it, it, your point on Twitter transitions into something that I posted on our, mm-hmm. on our shows page the other day, I'm watching hockey, mm-hmm. watching the Stanley cup finals. And so I want to hear what you guys, if you guys can come up with any other players, because here's the Tampa Bay lightning. They're, they're going to win their second, or, you know, they're trying to win their second straight Stanley cup. Uh, it's for the last decade, almost they've been one of the best teams in hockey. And there's this guy on Tampa Bay. I don't know if you're a big hockey guy, Hayden, but there's this guy on Tampa Bay, Steven Stamkos. Mm-hmm. Dude's a superstar. Like, dude mm-hmm. is a legit superstar, has been one of the better players in the league for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I think even, like, solid hockey fans wouldn't recognize Steven Stamkos if they, like, saw him walking down the street. Like, the dude is – the dude to me – there's a lot of like yeah. hockey players that people recognize, but that dude to me flies under the radar and he is a superstar. So I'm, I'm wondering, like, I'm trying to think of other superstars like that. Cause it, it kind of goes to that Tito, like Tito's flying under the radar all of a sudden, even though he was like one of the greats, who are the other players out there that are like fly under the radar superstars in any league? For the first one that I can think of is Jose Ramirez. I mean, yes, I wrote a, him down. Guy. Yeah. He's, he's a guy that, you know, has been in the MVP race for multiple years now. And, um, and he doesn't seem to get the credit nationally that he deserves. I mean, he's again one of baseball's best players. Not only a great switch hitter, power um, hits for average, great glove. I mean, he's got it all. And um, and that's the kind of thing that I just wonder is like, why would a guy like that go under the radar? Uh, it could be a Cleveland thing again. You know, Frankie really wasn't under the radar in Cleveland. He was pretty, you know, he was pretty much one of the, you know, the superstars in this league. And then when he gets to New York, they just ramp that up like crazy. But um, I think Jose certainly. Um, Mike Trout, I think the most irrelevant superstar yes. to ever play. I think the most irrelevant superstar to ever play, um, you know, because he really is the best player. Like he's a Mickey Mantle type. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. Like dominant, amazing player. And he doesn't get any market. He's not very marketable. He, he just kind of like flies on the radar because he's not like super charismatic. Doesn't really, doesn't really super outgoing. So yeah, the, those two are, are right off the top of my head. I like I like I what you said about Jose and Frankie, though. And I, it makes me think that I think I think Jose's under the like. Look at this year with Jose, right? Mm-hmm. This isn't a banner Jose Ramirez year compared to other years we've seen from him. Yeah. He's having. He's, I'm not saying he's having a bad year. He's just this isn't like his best year ever, but he's still great. I think he's like 20th in in like WAR. It, it, like mm-hmm. he's having a good year. I wonder if Jose isn't a superstar because of Francisco Lindor, not that Frankie like did anything, but because Frankie was such the star, Jose was just kind of that other guy over there that was by and large. And a lot of people may not want to listen to this was by and large better than Frankie for a couple years, at least. Mm -hmm. Uh, But he was just kind of always that other guy. And Frankie took the spotlight and then Frankie left. And it's like, who's the other guy? Right. Part of this and part of, and and part of this is major league baseball's fault though, isn't it guys? I mean, major league baseball has a terrible job of marketing its stars. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, that's- I think I think they've done a much better job recently with um, with some of these young guys with Tatis Jr. with Guerrero Jr. Yes, with yeah, Shohei. I mean, with you know, I think that they Acuna Jr. They've done they've done a better job, but I mean, they they completely missed the boat on Trout. 
And Mike Trout's still better than all of those guys. Exactly. 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 (laughs) Exactly. It's It's crazy. I'm trying to think, and and maybe that's the thing, because I was trying to think of that question in terms of like NBA, NFL, and there wasn't a lot that stood out to me. Like there's good players, but I'm talking about like a star that isn't like marketed. And I can't like maybe a guy like Chris Middleton in Milwaukee. I think people don't give him the credit for as good as he is. I mean, I mean, until this year, what about Devin Booker? I mean, Devin Booker mm-hmm. was a star, but he was well, stuck out in Phoenix. That's a great one. Mm-hmm. That's a really, yeah. really good one. Well, now he's getting his chance and he's going to, you know, he's going to do it. Um, <laughs> well, remember, they were, LeBron was like calling for him to make the all-star team this year. He wasn't yeah. going to make the all-star team. And they were like, what are we doing here? Right. I really, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I'm trying to think of other NBA guys. I mean, like. I think of like D'Angelo Russell in Minnesota or like um, that's a good one. Um, I don't know, like maybe like Sabonis in Indiana. Like, but <laughs> I mean, you, you know, you talk about like the Cavaliers, like they got nothing. Like, <laughs> like, as, like as as good as Colin, as good as Colin's numbers are, I mean, they don't have a lot. No, so um, I think the NBA, I really do think the NBA does a good job. And then I think the NFL does a good job too. I mean, you know, yeah. just all these quarterbacks and, you know, they, they do do a good job. If anything, there's players in the NFL treated like stars that aren't stars. That's that it's like the opposite in the NFL. Like, like they treat everybody like stars. Anyways, go back to the Indians for a minute uh, before we move on. Let's get right to the point here. Cause we've, we've talked around it a little bit. When healthy. And I think Hayden, Hayden, you've already kind of answered this, but then we'll go to part two. Do the Indians have what it takes right now? If they get everybody healthy, do they have what it takes to win the title? Do they have what it takes to win the World Series? Yes. With everyone healthy. Oh, man. And then, listen, and, and let me, let me, let me qualify. Obviously, any team can get hot at any time, right? You saw it with the Nationals when they won it. But, like, would you be comfortable? If you were running this team, this, it, would you be comfortable saying, this is my roster to win the World Series? No. No, no, no. I mean, I think they should go get a bat, should go get a something at the, at the deadline. I mean, um, you know, I'm actually with everything considered. I mean, you look at the job that Harold Ramirez has done on right field. You look at the job that, that Eddie Rosario is, you know, he's kind of starting to get hot. You're going to have Framio Reyes back. You're going to have Roberto Perez back. I mean, Ahmed Rosario hitting in the two seventies. I mean, you know, I, I would still try to add a bat. I would and maybe you let Harold Ramirez play in center field every day or, you know, um, some along those lines, but I mean, yes, I, I think that they, they're, they're right around that, that point of, okay, we're almost there, but I think they just could add a little bit of a boost, like a Jay Bruce type of deal where it's only half of the season. You don't have to worry about paying him next year. Um, maybe a guy who's got one year left on his deal and you could pay him next year and that's it. I mean, they're not, obviously they don't have the money to go get a big, you know, big time long-term contract guy, but um, I think that at the deadline, they should certainly be looking for you know, a piece a la Jay Bruce. If you had to actually, pick. Actually, you, it, actually, Jay Bruce in 2018 would have would fit nicely on this team. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, right. Perfect. Right. Yeah. If you had to pick, if you had to pick, because again, with all the, you know, with all the injuries that they are, that they have right now at the mm-hmm. deadline, uh, you know, again, you know, you need a bat. You need, uh, I, I believe it was a right fielder. You need a shortstop. You could use another, you could definitely use another starting pitcher because that, that those bullpen games is middle relief is, mm-hmm. is just not good. If you had to pick something, because obviously the Indians aren't going to go get all of those things, but if mm-hmm. you had to pick what, what would you put on this team, whether it be pitching or hitting? I would definitely um, go with the outfield guy. 
Oh, Harold Ramirez. Oh, bad throw. But um, I would definitely uh, Indians. By the way, losing seven to four currently in the sixth inning. I mean, not a good, not a good night for uh, not a good night. But and they still got seven more innings to go, um, or eight more innings to go. But um, I, I would go. I would go with another outfield piece. I think you can never have too much pop in your lineup. Um, you pretty much, you know, you've gotten pleasantly surprised with Harold. You've gotten pleasantly surprised with. Um, Ahmed Rosario, but I, I think you gotta you you could definitely shore up that outfield with a piece for sure. And there's players out there. I mean, there's players that are bound to be free agents next mm-hmm. year that are big names. I, here's the last question here: the Indians have so dramatically cut down their payroll, like dramatically. Mm-hmm. The Indians' payroll is bottom of the league. Mm-hmm. Is this the year where, because they're contending, is this the year where you could see them make a move that's a little bit out of their norm? Is this the year you could see them make a move where it's like, oh, we could bring a guy on with a salary for next year? Or do you think, no, nah, that's still not even possible. They don't want to pay anybody anything. <laughs> I think it's not. I don't think they're there yet. I really don't. I, I don't think they're there. I don't think they have the money. And I th- I'm okay. Maybe one, like I said, maybe one year down the road, that's fine. But um, no, I wouldn't say like, you know, I wouldn't say they'd bring in a guy that would last more than a year. Just pay Just somebody your something. They don't, they don't have it. They don't have it right now. Reassure Mike, please, Hayden. Reassure Mike. Pay somebody anything. Pay a I thing can't. to somebody. I can't reassure you. I wish I could. I wish I could. And then you're going to be talking about you're going to be talking about contracts for the starting pitchers. You're going to be talking about starting contracts for Bobby Bradley. You're going to start you know contracts for you know a matters. I mean, there there are even more contracts to be made. So no, just not no. Great. Well, hopefully, hopefully they can figure it out. Uh, let's not lose a couple of games to the Tigers tonight. That'd be a good start. Uh, yep. But we're going to transition uh, next team. We're going to talk about the Browns. And this is fun because you were at you. You cover the Browns. You were at the mini camp. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were sitting there watching. So just just tell us a little bit early impressions. Like uh, anything standing out about the way like because you've you've covered the Browns a little bit. Is there mm-hmm. anything standing out to you guys to you about the way these guys are conducting their business? like maybe the difference from previous years? I think the biggest thing, Mike and, and, and Chad, is that I, I just think that like the having covered the 0-16, having covered the 1-15, having covered the Johnny years, I think I think that you just you just look on the field and it's just the, the level of talent is just different. It's just real. Yeah. You know, it's like you're not trying to convince yourself that they're talented. You're not trying to like tell yourself like, oh, they might have something like my business. My biggest example is Duke Johnson, right? When Duke Johnson, when he was on those back teams, everybody was like, everybody was thinking like, this guy's, you know, he's got something. He's got something. And I'm out there looking at him saying, <laughs> saying he's an average at best got like at, at best at average, at like an average player. In the yes. And everybody's like, no, you've got to give him the ball. I'm like, you, you, it, it, he was... I don't know if I'm allowed to curse, but like he was yes, like the dime, he was like the diamond in the shit storm. You know what I mean? It's like he was like he was like he was like a he was like a pebble in a shit storm. Like it just it looked a little bit better than all the shit that was around him. But again, but now that you have real people, you have real players, you know, he wouldn't even I don't even think he's as good as Deanna, during Dearness Johnson. So I think that's just the, the biggest thing that I see is just the talent level is just so much higher than it's ever been. Um, and and it's and it's amazing to watch. It's it's amazing to watch competent great football like i but we trust me i've seen a lot of great football in cleveland i've seen the patriots walk in there i've seen the chiefs walk in there i've seen mm-hmm. the packers walk <laughs> right. in there i've seen right the, like, right right and you just see the difference in talent and then all of a sudden the browns last year you were like 
this is legit. I don't know if they're going to put it together, but this is legit. And sure enough, here we are. What about the way it's run? Because I've heard so much and I've read so much about like the structure and, and everything is just, it, it seems like a real football team. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I guess that's the hard part is that I really haven't, really don't know how a real football team is run. It's like my second year knowing how, <laughs> second, it's my second, second year knowing yeah. how that works. Um, but no, I mean, they, they are structured. They, 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 you know, they, they get, get after it the right way. They obviously take on the uh, demeanor of their coach and, um, he's very organized, very detail oriented, which is, yeah, you gotta be. And I think the biggest thing that I've seen is that they're having genuine fun with each other. They, they know how good they are. And like, I, they're not, you know, I don't think they're like, they're not overly confident, but they're confident. And they're having fun with each other. They like to watch each other succeed. You know, it's, it's great. It's just very different. There's not much. There's not much in the way of competition, like offensively, like where's the, where the, where's the competition at? There's no competition. It's going to be the same offense that comes back defensively. Some of the young guys are going to get cut or some of the, you know, some of the rookies, whatever, but like there's not huge competition. So it's like, we know what our roles are going to be. We know what we're going to do and let's go do it. You know? So I think that that's definitely part of it. I feel like we always ask like anybody that does anything with the Browns. I feel like we always ask them on this podcast, just kind of like nervously, like, yeah. Is everything okay? <laughs> yeah, God, that's I'm like used like, to this. Like everything that's, you just said is so weird yet so awesome at the right, same exactly. time. Right, exactly. I think you brought up Duke Johnson. I, dude, I, God, Hayden, that dude was the best player on our team for like two straight years. And 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 I was like, and, and, pe- and people were like, oh my God, he's one of the best running backs. So I said, you're out of your damn mind. No. Like, he's, like, he's a very replaceable running back. You can't let Duke Jackson trade. Oh my is god. He still, is, he, is he still in the league? I think so. He's still with Houston, well, right? I don't know. I think he's got cut. But I remember when Well, Nick that tells was, you something. I, 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 yeah, exactly. And I remember when the, you know when Duke Johnson said he didn't want to be here. <laughs> you know, fans were in uproar. Baker's like, all right, see Bye. ya. Bye. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like he didn't care. He was like openly like if you don't want to be here, then get, get the hell out. I mean, we don't really care. You know what I mean? Like he's seen some good football players and he knew Duke Johnson was average at best. I mean, it's reality. He's a receiving running back. It is, it is what it is. Uh, I think he's as good as Dearness Johnson. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. He's he's, and I love Dearness Johnson, by the way, did you, did anybody, any, either one of you guys watch that like documentary he did? No, but I got to watch it. I've heard it's great. It's on YouTube. Yeah. Great. Dearness Johnson. Fantastic. Uh, and, and, make, and again, a very like, but th- that's the expectation is that he's your third running back. Your name, it'll make you love player. him though. It'll make you want oh, him yeah. to be our third running back for the rest of time. Right. Uh, I know, I know his story. He was on a fishing boat and whatever. And yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. So the next thing that's going on with the Browns, right? Baker's contract. That's the thing that mm-hmm. people are talking about right now. I'm going to move down, but yeah, that's I just okay. don't want to like, you're moving. You're in the press box. It's fine. Do you see Matt Lodi in there anyway? Is Lodi no, there? he's not. No, Lodi is not here. Oh, so that's our buddy. Oh, no. Yes, uh, great, great, great man, and uh, praying for him all the time. All the he's time. he's our buddy. A warrior. He's, he's been on the show. He's been on the show before. We like good, him. good, good, Love Matt. Uh, uh, so the Baker contract, right? Yep. Feels like nobody's worried about this, right? Mm-hmm. And and for good reason, because nobody needs to be worried about this. The question mm-hmm. is. The, the deal is going to get done. So what, what's mm-hmm. the fair deal for Baker? What's the fair deal? Well, it's not Patrick Mahomes money. I've, I've already started. Well, I'm, you're right. I've already started to, to say this on shows and as, as a guest or whatever. I think Baker is going to have 
just an incredible season. I think yeah. just, I think have, being confident coming off last year, having the same offense back, having the same offensive coordinator, um, having the, you know, just the comfort, another year of comfortability in the league. And I think this contract is going to motivate the hell out of him. So he's going to bet on himself and he's going to have a great year. And then he's going to get a huge deal. Now you're that's, that's the great question is what is he going to get? Is he going to get him a homes contract? Is he going to get a, a Dak Prescott contract? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question, but I think that's what he's looking. I think he's looking more along the lines of, and I think Mary Kay reported this. I think he's looking at, okay, well, what, what's, what are they going to give to Josh Allen? What are they going to give to Lamar Jackson? Yes. You know, these are Lamar right. Jackson's won an MVP, but I think I'm better than him. Josh Allen is great. <laughs> right. I mean, right. The, if you ask Baker Mayfield, there's no doubt in my mind. He would say, I'm better than, I know I'm better than Lamar Jackson. Like, yes. And I don't think I would, I would say the same thing. I absolutely say he's better than Lamar Jackson. Yes. But, um, you're right. What does that deal look like? I think it gets done after this season. Um, and I think, think it'll be gonna, after the season. I, yes. And I think it's big. I think it's a huge deal. But, but again, Mike, imagine, I don't, don't imagine Chad, don't imagine, but like, oh. just, just think for a second, if they won the Super Bowl, like just say they won the Super Bowl. Like okay. what can you, you'd, okay. you'd have to, you'd okay. have to give them, you'd have to give them a five-year, two hundred million oh, ownership stake in the team. Just right. here, you exactly. own it. Okay, okay. Don't put my mind in a pretzel like that, Hayden. And now, <laughs> exactly. so it's a Wednesday night. I've been drinking. I need, <laughs> but um, but but that's my point. Is that like if they if they make even if they make this Super Bowl, Baker Mayfield's going to want you know oh, yeah. a, a Patrick Mahomes contract, and I think he deserves it. Well, and that's that's the should there be an urgency on the Browns part to like push and try to get some kind of deal done right now? Because, because again, I think the thing no. that's making for all the things we should be happy and excited about for the Browns. I think the thing that is making a lot of people nervous is you've drafted finally. And, and some of it was Dorsey and some of it has been, has been Andrew mm-hmm. Barry. You've drafted an immense amount of talent, mm-hmm. an immense amount of talent over the last few years, a crazy mm-hmm. amount. These guys got to get paid. So that's true. So the thing that's making some Browns fans nervous, you're looking not just at Baker, but you're looking at Denzel Ward and Nick Chubb. You've already paid Miles Garrett. You're looking at a guy like Chad's boy, Wyatt Teller. Yeah. Like you're looking at these guys that are stars that are going to want to get paid. So should there be a little urgency on the Browns part to like, Hey Baker, let's get you in here now so that maybe we lock you up at not a Patrick Mahomes contract. Well, I think here's the problem. I think you got two problems here. I think the first problem is, is that I think the Browns are well aware of the, the fact that they want to keep Baker Mayfield long term, right? Yes. Like that's their guy. So Baker knows that. Baker knows that he's not going to go anywhere without a deal, right? And the second thing is, uh, the second thing is that Baker Mayfield always bets on himself, right? So. I think Cleveland would probably have the presence of mind to be like, you know what? We don't want to mess with Baker right now. You know, we don't want to come in with a low ball offer. We don't want to, yeah. you know, we don't want to come in with a low ball offer. We don't want to like get thinking about this before the season. All, all I would say to his agent and his agent's a good guy. All I would say to his agent is listen, we're, we're, we're committed to Baker. We, we just, we just know that. And I think it's going to be best for both parties to do it after the season. So right. Baker's going to show us what he does. And we're going to pay him. We're going to pay him, and that's going to be that. Yeah. Is there now? I was going to say, you know, uh, I, 
on the other side of this, you know, obviously, you know, I, I'm glad you said something about, you know, Baker betting on himself, because I think that's a lot of thing that, things that fans aren't thinking about. Yeah, they want him to sign a deal right sure. now, but, uh, you know, Baker, it, it, you know, Baker is obviously going to want to hold out for a Mahomes or a Dak uh, contract. Sure. Is there, sure. but, but on the other, but like I said, on the other side of that, is there also a part of the Browns that you think are, that are like, even though I don't think he will, and you, you, you know, you Hayden huh. don't think he will, Mike Carlos Boozer. Is there a part? Is there a part of the Browns thinking like, let's see, let's just, you know, if he doesn't regress this year, yeah, we, yeah, we have no problem paying that. Like, is it is there kind of a wait and see, or is it just kind of listen? Yeah, we're going to give you the contract. We just got to wait till after this year. I think it's more so the contract is going to get done. Just wait, yeah. like we're going to wait to see how much it's going to be. I mean, again, okay. I think the Browns, like the, obviously Andrew Barry is a smart enough guy to know. Okay, we want to pay Andrew Barry's job is literally to pay as many good players as little as possible, right? That's his job. Right, right. That's his job. His job is to go out and, and to, to find the best players possible and pay them as little as he possibly can, right? right. So, yes. so that's, why he, that's why he would want to get, okay, yes, we want Baker Mayfield. We want to sign up for this. But yeah. at the same time, they know how important the position is. Yes. They know how important to have stability at that position is. They know that it, they want a franchise guy. So I think for that, for a quarterback like Baker Mayfield, if he goes out and has a great year, I don't think they'll have any problem spending the money and putting their faith in him. And I already think they have their faith in him. They just want to see, okay. you know, what that number is going to look like. And I, okay. I think the year, I think the years will be the same. I think the years will be, you know, five to seven. I don't think it'll be a 10 year deal. Um, but I, I, and I believe again, they're just kind of waiting for that number. Okay. Yeah. He goes out and throws 50 touchdowns. We're going to have to make that a high number and we'll gladly play and pay that. But if he, you know, regresses again and has a, you know, 20 pick season again, then, okay. Then we're talking about a lo- little bit of a lower number. So, but make um, no mistake, like make no mistake, right. For all the bronze fans that listen to this, make no mistake. Let's not forget. Like, we'll talk about how nervous we are that, Oh my God, what if we don't have the money to sign Wyatt Teller? What if we don't have the money to sign Denzel Ward? Whatever. Nick Chubb mm-hmm. is the one that, that, that I think everybody's going to worry about, but everybody will worry about that. The fact of the matter is let's remember as Browns fans, what the most important possession on the football field is that and is, how we went for 20 plus years without one of those. Right. For 20 sometimes, years. Sometimes we, because the Browns are so talented at most offensive positions, we forget but yes, you have to, there, there are very, 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 very rare occasions where you can get anywhere without your quarterback. Like, you know, like you remember like the Trent Dilfer or whatever, but right. I mean, that is the position that you have to get right and you wow. have to pay right. And you have to just, that's got, that's gotta be it. It's the most important yeah. position in sports. So I yeah, mean, I guess, yes, oh, yes. go ahead. No, I mean, we, we love, we love, you know, to, to see other guys succeed. We, you know, the Browns yes. definitely want to pay, you really want, they want Wyatt to be there. They want Denzel to be there. They want this whole office to be there for a while. And yes. the real, the reality is, is that, um, you know, if you pay a quarterback a lot of money and, and you're not always going to have that. So that's, right. that's, that's the payoff. Yeah. I guess that's the part that like, why I, why I asked that. And cause that's the part that intrigues me most about this upcoming season. Like, yeah, the Browns mm-hmm. are going to be very good. He's going to have a very good, he's going to have a very good season. They're going to make it to the playoffs. They're legit Super Bowl contenders, but like, I don't know. What if they go 10 and seven and he throws for 30 touchdowns and like 15 interceptions? Like, where do they go from there? Like, that's the most intriguing part to me. Not that I, I, I don't think Baker's going to regress into being terrible, but if he's, but if he's like good, but not like great, like, like I said, like that 30 touchdown, like 15 or whatever, whatever, like a, a good year. Be, is, no, no, but no, not 30, a great year. 30, 
30 and 15 would be very good. Um, yes. That'd be yeah. fine. That's fine. Yeah, I think that'd be fine. Right, right. Um, but like you said, like if he goes like 40 and 10 or something, or if he goes, you know, 25 and 20. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Right. But like right, you right. said, we've, the quarterback position, right? Uh, you brought up Tom Brady before. You brought up the well, you brought up the Patriots, but Tom Brady, man, that dude churned through other players on that offense mm-hmm. like it was nothing. It, it was just one guy after the next, after the mm-hmm. next. Randy Moss comes in, Randy Moss leaves, and you've got Wes Welker, and you've got all these guys that churned mm-hmm. in and out of that, that offense. Man, yeah. And you know what they did? They won Super Bowl. Still won yep. the whole time because mm-hmm. they had their quarterback. So that that's mm-hmm. the most important thing. And and listen, best case scenario is that he throws 50 touchdowns and 10 picks and they win a ton of games and win the Super Bowl, whatever. And he gets a monster deal. Best case yeah. scenario. Yeah. Like so. I said, I mean, but that's my point is that Baker is always going to bet on himself and he's always going to believe, okay, we're going to win the Super Bowl this year. God damn it. You know that we're going to like, yeah. so, and I'm going to go get that, the big, that huge contract because I'm going to win Cleveland a Super Bowl and then they can't ever, they're going to pay me whatever I want. And I'm going to be the king of this town. Like that's what he thinks. Like that's the way. And he should think that way. He, he he wants to manifest that, you know, it's, yeah. he, he doesn't want to just sit there and be a, Oh, well we made it to the playoffs. I mean, that's, he's got that killer instinct. And I think that's what makes him so great guys, guys like last year, right? The Freddie kitchens thing happened. That mm-hmm. blew last year. You come in, not knowing what on earth is going to happen with this team. Kevin Stefanski comes in, takes over the Paul D Podesta guy takes over. They are great. I'm starting to get that feeling here. It's it's if you're listening to this, it's on or after July 1st, right? I'm starting mm-hmm. to get that feeling like, holy shit, what is this city going to be like this year? I'm excited, dude. I, Can you like, imagine what I'm this city so is going to be like? I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Yeah. We're not doing that thing anymore. We're not doing that thing with the Browns. The Browns no. are playing the Chiefs week one, and there's a yep. bunch of people circling that game going, yeah, the Browns could take that. Yeah. Like we're not circling yeah. 10 losses anymore. We're like, oh yeah. shit, this shit is real. Yep. That wasn't a one year thing last year. Mm-mm. This town it's is going to be a madhouse this year. It's going to be it's amazing. Gonna be amazing. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. I mean, the Muni lot has always been awesome and the Browns fans have always been awesome and they've been terrible. I mean, that's what I'm so excited about is they did this during a pandemic and that was, you know, that was unfortunate, and but it brought a lot of people joy. But now like, like it's go time. Like this is, I mean, this is, you know, you know, what the saying is like, uh, you, how come you don't know you're in the good old days when you're in them or whatever? Well, guess what? You're about to be in the good old days. So just buckle <laughs> yeah. up and enjoy it. Yeah. Enjoy it. We old men talk, telling our kids about like, like our, like we learned about the eighties well, or right. Exactly. Right. That's what we're going to be doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So that got me all excited. Now let's, let's, let's get to something that also is exciting, but I don't know how exciting it is yet. Mm-hmm. But let's move on to the Cavaliers. Let's move across the little the little pavilion over there next to you while you're mm-hmm. at the field. And let's go to the Cavaliers. Because there's some exciting things mm-hmm. there. But I'm really excited. You, you talk a lot about the Cavs. I'm really excited to hear your take. And again, you, <laughs> you cover every team. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm super excited to hear your take on their direction. As to this point, but we'll see with this third pick. But until mm-hmm. this point, that rebuild has seemed to lose a little bit of direction. Yeah. Uh, um, go ahead. Well, no, it's, it, you know, I don't think you can have a conversation on the Cavs without starting with the one guy that you have to have a conversation on. The one guy you have to have a conversation around, and that's Colin Sexton. Mm-hmm. Is this the guy to build around? No. 
No, even, I mean, you know, I do. Thanks for mentioning that. Yeah. I do do the wine and gold talk podcast for cleveland.com. And yes, you know, we, it's our Cavaliers podcast and uh, they approached me about hosting it. And of course I said, yes. And um, I do it with Chris Fedor and uh, (laughs) like, what else do I have to do? Right. No, exactly. (laughs) But, but, um, and we talk a lot and we argue a lot because Chris and I, Chris and I are, we're good friends. And, um, and like, you know, we definitely enjoy each other. We hang out, we golf, whatever, but like, we do have some arguments about, you know, about you know, the Cavs because he kind of sees things a different way. And I just, I think the one thing we do see with Colin Sexton is that he's not the guy to build around. No, I don't think anyone in the organization believes he's the guy to build around. I don't believe any fans believe that he's the guy to build around. I think that he's definitely a good, good piece. And this is the draft right now at number three. You got to find that guy to build around. And I think there are three, maybe three, maybe two options. Um, no, there's definitely three options, three or four options of guys to build around, and you got to pick the right one. Um, Cade Cunningham will be gone, but then you have three guys. You have Evan Mobley, you have Jalen Suggs, and you have Jalen Green. And the Cavaliers are going to have their pick of one of them, and they got to get it right, and they got to you know make sure it works. I'm not saying that this guy has to be the best of the three, but he he's got to be the guy to build around. Fact only. Yeah, it's it. It's a weird thing, but I'm glad you just brought that up too, right? Because mm-hmm. we've kind of been talking about Colin Sexton, like he's got to be this franchise piece, right? Right. You've got Darius Garland. Was, you got Darius Garland. That's the first. He's a lottery pick. You got Isaac Okoro. That's a lottery pick. You got lottery picks on this team, but but right now you've yeah. got the third pick. Right. So technically, like if you're looking at that, this guy you bring in should be the guy that's kind of the guy to build around. The mm-hmm. question is, here's the real question. Mm-hmm. Can Colin Sexton be a Robin? Can he be a Robin to a Batman? I just, uh, for whatever reason, guys, I just, there's just something about him and his game. And like, I like the fact that Chris kind of like enlightens me. on like, yo, you know, the good things that he's doing. I just don't know. I don't know. I don't like, I, I don't, I, the, the way that he plays is just, he doesn't really make anyone else better. He, you know, he doesn't like, he doesn't take necessarily like, yes, the Nets game he took over. That was one really, really good game. But like, there's just not a lot for me to love about him as a team player and a guy that's going to push your franchise in the right direction. It's like, and you know, at Alabama, he could, he was the guy because he's at Alabama and there was nobody else. And he played right. three, he played three on five and, and took over because he, he, he can score. Nobody's saying he can't score, right? right? Nobody's saying he can't score, but the score, scoring doesn't always mean winning. Scoring doesn't, doesn't always mean the best basketball. If that were the case, you know, LeBron James, is the best player of all time, in my opinion. Um, and again, has led the league in scoring at times, but never was consistently leading the league in scoring. Again, it was all about making himself and his teammates better through passing, through rebounding, through the yes. way that he his basketball IQ. I mean, Colin's not a point guard. He doesn't necessarily run the offense. There's just not a lot for me to love um, outside of the fact that he's a good kid and he works hard. You know, that's the one thing that you can say about Colin Sexton is that he can score, he works his butt off, and and he's a good, good kid. And that's fine, and that's great. And and sometimes, you know, that's that's what you need. I just don't think that's what the Cavaliers need. They need a little oomph, a little extra. And uh, I don't think Colin gives him that. You know, it's something we've talked about on this show, and, and it, some people aren't going to want to hear it. People love Colin. There are people out there that love Colin Sexton. Yeah, Chris. Chris is one of them, for sure. <laughs> yeah, some friends of our podcast are very vocal about mm-hmm. their love of Colin Sexton, right? Mm-hmm. You, 
where I think he would be best, I just don't know how you get him there. If you could turn him into what Jordan Clarkson was for the Utah Jazz this year, mm-hmm. that's Colin Sexton. He, when you bring him off the bench and can, he can be an explosive scorer and you don't have to worry about him making anybody else better, just come in and score. Mm-hmm. That's the ideal that's right. role for this guy. I just mm-hmm. don't know. Is, are we well, at a point where the Cavs not, can put him there? No, no, it's certainly not in Cleveland. Um, and that's why I think that I'm really intrigued by all these trade scenarios. Um, I think yes. Colin wants to Colin wants to make money, and the Cavaliers. I don't know if they want to give him the max, and I think he deserves. He thinks he deserves it, and it's like I would love to trade Colin Sexton. I think that that would help Colin Sexton out. I mean, because I think he listen. I do think he faces a lot of unfair criticism in Cleveland because he's not supposed to be. He he was not supposed to be this franchise changer. He was not supposed to be this number one top overall pick. Right. He was a he was a top ten pick, yes, but he wasn't you know top three, top five. And he faces a lot of unfair criticism for that. And, you know, I just think that that maybe it would be best for him to go somewhere else and to find a way onto a team where he can be that six man or where he can, you know, take on a different role. I just think Cleveland is not a good fit for him. I really don't. And I think, you know, I think you can get some pieces for him. Um, but I do like the idea of a younger core with a core with this draft pick with um, Garland. Uh, Garland, right? Exactly. It's just like a lot of different pieces, and Jared Allen, and and I think you could add, you could add a lot for Colin Sexton. I just don't think Colin is a good fit. Okay, so then you just brought up Jared Allen because mm-hmm. that's the next question. There's there's some questions here. There's a lot of building that can be done with the cap, but there's questions here. Jared mm-hmm. Allen, he's the next guy you got to talk about if you're talking caps. Did he's he, going to get paid. Did he do enough in his time? Like in your opinion, did he do enough in his time with Cleveland? Because I think, I think one of my complaints about Colin Sexton, can the guy light it up? Yes. Are there times where he can take over a game? Yes. Does Colin Sexton do anything well consistently? No. He doesn't shoot well consistently. He doesn't finish well consistently. He certainly doesn't pass well consistently. Oh, my God. The mm-hmm. Indians are getting smoked down there. I'm sorry you haven't mm-hmm. even watched this. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 you know, everybody talked about Colin Sexton's assist number going up this year. Yeah, but he's got the ball in his hand a thousand percent of the time. Mm-hmm. Like, you better have a couple assists. Right. Uh, my question is, does he, or my, my point on Sexton is he doesn't do anything well enough consistently. I'm not sure Jared Allen does either. That's, that's the thing. I love the trade. Now, let, don't get mm-hmm. me wrong. Don't get me wrong. The mm-hmm. fact that Kobe jumped in on that deal and just swiped Jared Allen and Torian Prince away mm-hmm. from the nets for a, nothing was mm-hmm. ridiculous. But I think a lot of us fell in and I love watching Jared Allen, but I'm also not sure that he did enough consistently to get the kind of contract that we're talking about for this guy. I mean, I guess, I guess my question would be like, what were your expectations of Jared? Allen? Like, what were you expecting? Because again, you, you want to talk about a, uh, an issue with Jared Allen is that He's not going to touch the ball. When you have Darius and Colin, he's not going to touch the ball ever. Um, that's just the reality. And I think he was brought in to be just a, a gobbler, a rebound gobbler and a, and a shot blocker. And he's athletic and he can move and he can help. So I just, I didn't expect much in the way of stats, if that makes any sense. Now, if you get rid of Colin and, and you start to make move that way, then yeah, then maybe, you know, maybe you'll start to see Jared Allen be a better offensive player or whatnot. But I just don't think that's his game. So do you think, like, I guess the, the question for me then is, is it fair to do that, to, to say, listen, Jared Allen is better than what you 
better than some of the inconsistencies you saw because you've got these mm-hmm. other guys dominating the ball? Or is it also fair to say if he was better, then he would have brought no, more I, attention from the offense? No, I think it. I think it's completely to do with Colin and, and Darius. I really do. Um, and I think you're going to see that if they, you know, once they kind of try to figure this thing out, maybe without Colin or, you know, I don't think they'll get rid of Darius. So um, I think Jared Allen's going to get, you know, his five-year, $100 million deal or whatever, whatever it is, four years. And, uh, and it's going to be worth it. I think, again, he's a really, really good player. He's really young. He's really talented. Um, and, you know, he's kind of a unicorn in an NBA where, you know, the big guys are starting to make a comeback. So why not go and get one of the better, younger ones in the league? Now, a report came out today where, uh, you know, speaking of this draft, a report came out today that the Cavs love Mobley. And I understand mm-hmm. why. I, I mean, yeah. I totally understand why. Uh, but I also understand that the Cavs were one of the worst shooting teams uh, the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if they do draft Mobley, which is – he seems to be someone that, to build around. Uh, who the hell's going to score the basketball for this team if they draft you know, that would that would be That would be a situation in which you'd, you'd, you'd keep calm. I mean, obviously. Yeah. Um, you know, you would you would let Collins do his thing and, and just, you know, and I don't think that's a good brand of basketball. I don't. I also yeah. think that could be like a smoke screen, maybe. Um, for maybe somebody. I don't <laughs> Crossing know. fingers. I, don't know. Right. I mean, I like, because, listen, I like Mobley too, but like, here's the thing. I don't want that to make us. And again, I don't want to badmouth Colin Sexton because he's also the dude's what, 24, yeah. 23, 24. The dude is yeah. young and still has yes. a chance to be really good. Sure. I just. Like here's other, there's been other, and these are all total rumors at this point, but if you're on Twitter, you're seeing them, right? The mm-hmm. one today, the Miami heat are very interested in Colin Sexton. And so they're talking about like the Cavs putting Kevin love and Colin Sexton in a package and sending them down there and bringing back guys. Like I talked to somebody, I talked to somebody I trust. I talked to somebody who I really, uh, really, really like uh, somebody who I think is smart. He said the best thing the Cavaliers could do is to, package those two and send them off, send them off. Huh. Right. So just, but, just get them together. And I don't, you don't, it doesn't even matter what they get in return. Just send them away. Mm. Well, I think you, you know, you, if you're sending Colin Sexton, you got to get some yeah, value. Right, in return. right. Right. But he said, he said what literally be, he said just getting rid of those two would be literally addition by subtraction. And then anything you get on top of that is, is icing on the cake. Well, they, they, they yeah, this, this, and again, it, it's all, it's all, this was the one that actually had some actual people talking. It wasn't just sure. fans throwing shit out there. Right, right, right. But it, it had like a mix of like, because Oladipo is a free agent. Mm-hmm. They're talking about like a sign and trade. Oladipo and Hero coming back for like Kevin Love and Colin Sexton. I'm like, give me that with Darius Garland and Oladipo in the starting lineup and Hero with his shooting coming off the bench. You know, Kevin Love's gone. Give me that. here. Like, I would take that deal all day. It makes the I team would better. Too. I would too. I and would then you too. let Darius Garland be the point guard that he is. And he's yep. really good. He's really right. good. And then, so then you have a potential starting lineup of uh, Darius Garland, Oladipo, Jalen Green, Larry Nance Jr., Jared Allen. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, it looks yeah. a lot better. It looks a yeah. lot better. It just, you know, for some reason, the, the idea of Darius Garland, Colin, Colin Sexton, uh, Jalen Green, Kevin Love, and, and uh, Jared Allen. I mean, it just seems stocky. It seems it doesn't seem fluid. So, um, 
again, nothing. I, Kevin is more my there. I don't have any issue with Kevin. No, no. I mean, I'll I'll always be in Kevin's corner. I'll always be a Kevin Love guy because I think he goes far beyond the court. But I just, and I just hope he does stay healthy. I think when he is healthy, he's their best. Like I've talked with Chris about this. When he's healthy and he's productive, he's their best player. Oh sure, he's their he's their best player. He can shoot. Like there's nobody that can shoot the way he does or nobody that can rebound the way he does. Even his passing skill. I mean, if you went to a Cavs practice and, and I, we watched it for a year and a half before COVID, Kevin Love was just so much different than anyone else on the floor. Yeah. Just so. And again, this is a guy who I think it's a motivation issue and I think it's a health issue. And, you know, if, but if you can find a, you can find a way to get him motivated, you can find a way to keep him healthy. I think he can still be a productive player for the next two, three years. So um, I just, I think Colin and him just don't mesh well for whatever reason. And maybe as, maybe not as, maybe they're friends, but they just don't mesh well on the court. I mean, it's happened before. So there's no reason it couldn't happen again. But I think, I think they would, I think if any team would take on the both of them, I would do it. I would do it for Kevin's sake and I would do it for the sake of the Cavaliers. Okay. So Hayden, there's a lot of other names that get thrown around, right? There's, there's <laughs> CJ McCollum's getting thrown around a lot right now. There's uh, uh, Ingram down in New Orleans getting thrown a lot around a lot right now, although I don't know why on earth they would trade him. Uh, right. But the name that just the, the, there's one name that's just going to keep getting thrown around over and over and over again. He's, he's an all-star player. He is uh, he's a polarizing player for sure, but it's Ben Simmons. Could you would you be happy if they brought Ben Simmons back in any way? And then, no. and then I'm going to try to convince you because. I'm going to tell you why I would. Okay. Um, they're the, they're already one of the worst shooting teams in the league. You would probably have to trade Colin. You'd probably have to trade, you know, a pretty significant draft pick um, for a guy that doesn't give you much more than Colin would. I mean, I just think this team is in such desperate need of shooting that I don't think Ben Simmons would ever be the answer. So here's, here's my thought on Ben Simmons. Okay. And I'd be okay with getting rid of, I don't think you'd have to give up a high draft pick for Ben Simmons okay. because I think he's ruined his, his trade value. I mean, I think his okay. trade value is as low as it's ever going to be. Okay. I think he is so mishandled in the NBA. Really? Okay. I think at LSU, it's kind of like what you were talking about with Colin Sexton. You could be a type of player in Alabama because you're mm-hmm. in Alabama. Nobody cares. Right. Like, right. Right. Red Alabama. Go be that guy. I think right. that's what Ben's LSU is not a basketball school. No, that's what, that's what Ben Simmons was at LSU. Just give him the ball and let him do things. Yeah. In the NBA, you can't do that. I think right. he is so out of position. That guy is not a point guard. He is okay. a point guard. He's an elite passer, but he's right. not a point guard. Okay. He's a ball handler. He's a slasher. He's one of the best. He is a top three defender in the NBA. I don't yes. know that anybody's going to argue that. Sure, no. What, 6'10", can defend yeah. literally any position. He's not a point guard. He doesn't need to bring the ball up. He doesn't need the ball in his hands all the time. The dude finishes at the rim. Mm-hmm. It's, my, it's my same complaint with Giannis. It's my same complaint with Giannis. Mm-hmm. When you get to the NBA, everybody tries to make you LeBron James mm-hmm. or Kevin Durant. If mm-hmm. you're supposed to be a superstar, you have to be a guy that can shoot from everywhere and handle the ball at all times. Mm-hmm. And that's not what some of these guys are. Giannis is the best finisher in the NBA at the rim. And yet he's out at the perimeter, like handling the ball. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. I think Ben Simmons, you put him in like a uh, like a slashing point forward role, like a put him at like a power forward role and and let him play perimeter a little bit, but let him get to the rim and quit putting the onus on him to be out on the perimeter making shots. 
I think mm-hmm. some team is going to get a steal if they know how to manage that guy. If they look at his game and say, what you're doing right now is why you are not as good as you could be. I think he could be an elite player. And so that's why if the Cavs brought him back with any intention of trying to put him in a position to succeed, I think it could be a steal. Okay. He does I, think so you, much well. I, I think I think the only way you could do it is if you got rid of Colin. I mean, that you, you couldn't have him and Colin on the same team. Okay. I, I don't think that would work ever. Okay, yeah, exactly. I just, yeah, <laughs> fine, fine. So then you'd have, okay. So you, you don't think they would have to trade the number three pick for Ben Simmons too? I don't think so. Okay. I, th- I think I think his trade value is, I, it, again, I think he tanked this playoff performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think he tanked it. And, okay, and now so, you've got, and now you've got him. The other thing, and this does matter because this public talking, it does bring down trade value. You've got Doc Rivers. And you've got Joel Embiid being asked questions like, is Ben Simmons the guy? And Doc Rivers is like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Joel Embiid's like, I don't know. <laughs> like mm-hmm. his trade value is it's it. I just don't know that it'll ever get any lower. And again, I just think, I think so many people are viewing it in the prism of this is who he is. When in reality, I think he's as bad as he is because he's out of position because he, okay. they are not using him right. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm just trying to like envision a scenario like Darius, Ben Simmons, Jalen Green, Jalen Suggs. Yeah, I mean, I think he would work well with Kevin. I think he would allow Kevin to, to have some more space. Um, you know, I think Jared he would work well with Jared Allen. I mean, I, you're right. I think there could be a scenario in which he works, but like, you're right. He would have to change his game. He couldn't play the same game that he plays with with Cleek. I just don't think that would work. I just, I only it, bring it up. Oh, go ahead, Chad. No, I was going to say, you think it's worth the risk because reminder, he's still owed $140 million. That's a pretty expensive risk to take on a guy switching his role, you know, switching up his game. You're still willing yeah, to and take that, that and risk. That's, and well, that's part of the problem. You have to, we kind of have to like match contracts and you got to, you know, you're going to have to find a way to get rid of all that money. I mean, it just, yeah, I'm sure that Kevin would have to be involved in some way. So I don't know. I don't know. That'd be tough. So It'd here's my last question thing. on the caps. My last mm-hmm. question on the caps. And then I want to talk about Hayden Grove for a minute. Uh, Kobe and JB, they got to be feeling the hot seat a little bit at this point. Yeah. Like Kobe Altman has made some good moves, but the team he has put together has not clicked. Mm -hmm. And some of the moves he'd made haven't been great. Mm -hmm. Are those guys feeling the hot seat? And then, and so do you feel like, okay, maybe this is the time to make a dramatic move. Is this the time to do something? Cause this, no, this is not. Um, I completely agree with you that yes, Kobe is definitely, he knows, he knows that this is a make or break offseason. for him. He does. He knows that this, he knows that if it goes well, he'll be the GM for the next, you know, three, four years. If it doesn't go well, he's done. Right. I think the same thing for JB. I think you're looking at a situation in which, um, that if it goes well, then he could be the head coach for the next three years. And if it doesn't, I think they're going to probably just find a way to, to, to kind of blame the coaching and the, and the GM and then keep the same roster and then go from there. So, um, yes, this is it. This is it for both of them. If they don't, if the Cavaliers don't, if the Cavaliers don't approve and they don't, they don't show signs that, Hey, this thing is going the right direction. Um, and, and Jalen green or whoever they draft Jalen Suggs, whoever is not the guy, um, then Kobe's gone for sure. And then I think JB is probably not far behind. So this, this, so yes, make no mistake. This season was a disaster. Mm-hmm. This season was mm-hmm. a disaster. 
They didn't and get a lot of it, better from the previous no, year. No, they didn't. And yeah. um, and I think that, you know, injuries definitely played a part in that. But losing Kevin Porter Jr. because of all of his oh. issues, I mean, they, I know they tried and I get it. I, I get they felt like they couldn't, you know, turn that por- turn that horse around. But um, it just it, the bad. There were so many bad optics. There were so many bad optics. And um, and they're just hoping the next year they have a little better in terms of injury luck and they can get rid of some of these bad optics. Because you're right. It just looked like a disaster, even if it wasn't entirely a disaster. All right. So just real quick, the from the Cavs for the Cavs to go from the number three pick to a playoff team this year. Mm-hmm. It's not out, unheard of. More than half mm-hmm. the teams in the NBA make the playoffs. Like mm-hmm. what, in Hayden Grove's opinion, the guy that does a Cavs podcast, mm-hmm. what happens this offseason? Okay, what happens this offseason? They, I mean, I wish I could tell you which player they draft, but I they draft either Jalen Green or Jalen Suggs, and that guy's really he's a superstar. Like superstar, maybe not yet a superstar, but a superstar level. Yes. Um, that would be the first step. Then from there, I would trade Colin. Um, I just think that I, I just don't think it works for whatever reason in Cleveland. I just don't think it works. I would trade Colin, get get either a nice young piece, like, you know, like you said, you mentioned like a Victor Oladipo or a Tyler Hero or whatever. Um, I, I would add shooting, obviously. I think you that was what you would look for is, is a shooter um, in his place. And then from there, you got to add some nice veterans. I know there, there aren't a ton of names out there. You have to get a better backup point guard, Della Vidova. God bless him. He's gone. Um, you know, what? he had, a, he had a lot of injury issues. Um, you got to get a guy who can, who can run the, run the offense in the, in the as a backup point guard um, and can do it and, and can be efficient at it. And then, you know, maybe add another couple of blue guys on that bench. And then you're talking about, you know, a much better situation. So that's what I would do if I were the Cavaliers to make the playoffs next season is, Draft that, draft that guy, whoever that guy is, draft him, put your full faith in him, trade Colin Sexton for a nice piece or two, and, you know, go out and get some nice veterans. I think that's that simple. And I would keep Kevin because I don't think anybody's going to ever give you the value that you want for Kevin um, and just hope that he stays healthy. And then hope that the – because it's been a long-standing thing, Kevin Love mm-hmm. and Colin Sexton, and, and they downplay it. And they seem to get sure. along better now, but they don't they, play. They, well I'm sure. That, right. Right. And then listen, like I, Kevin is a, like, they're both good dudes. I'm sure off the floor, they're friends. Right. Right. I just think it's an on the floor issue where they're just not on the same page. Yeah. All right. Let's talk a little Hayden Grove before we let you go and cover game yeah, two. For sure. Hopefully in Indians. Win. Yeah. My goodness. We're at almost three hours to the seven game. So nine to four, we're going to be here. Christ. We're going to be here till, uh, we're going to be here pretty late. My friends. Yes. Uh, good luck to you. I will not be there. Thanks. Uh, it's all good. First of all, Hayden Grove, our dude here is a singer. Our dude out there keeping the stylings of crooners like Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, <coughs> Harry Como, Nat King Cole, and more recently, guys like Harry Connick Jr., Michael Bublé, keeping that stuff alive. You mentioned some a- really good names. Usually it's just like, usually it's like, oh, he's a Frank Sinatra guy. But you mentioned Harry Como, Nat King oh, Cole, yeah. Harry Connick Jr. Like, those are the guys that I love. For There's sure. a lot of names I didn't mention. You and Bobby Darren, Louis Prima. Correct. Um, yeah. I mean, there's so many. You're right. Yeah. Uh, uh, you've been in sports and music for a long time. Mm-hmm. You've been doing sports and music. I saw an article about you playing football in high school. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, you were in musicals and theater and stuff mm-hmm. in high yep. school. Not a lot of people do that. Uh, you sang the national anthem in your football gear. I thought that was kind of a cool part mm-hmm. of that article. 
so where did this love of where did this love of this style of music come from? Ah, man, it's funny. Like I, I always say that it's the perfect combination of my parents. My mom was a huge Springsteen fan and my <laughs> dad was a big like classical music opera guy because he was also a music person and he sang and um, I think it's kind of a perfect mixture of both. I just kind of found my style and it just so happened that my voice kind of lent itself to that as well. So um, it was just as easy, you know, it was obviously more complicated than that, but it's like, it's just as easy as going through my parents' record collection. And, and my dad definitely dabbled in Harry Connick Jr. And my mom definitely dabbled in Sinatra and that kind of stuff. And um, so I just would go through their record collections or their CD collections and I just fell in love with it. And then, you know, then, then Buble got a lot more popular and, and he was doing the music that I love. And I, Harry Connick Jr. was still doing it as well. And, you know, that was the thing. Sinatra's dead. Bobby Darren's dead. Dean Martin's dead. Matt Cole's dead. They're all dead. But the music is kept alive by guys like that. So, um, and there's a lot more too. guys like Matt Dust, Matt Forbes. There's some of my guys that like you would never, you don't probably wouldn't know about, but they're keeping it alive as well. So um, I, I think it's kind of the combination of that, that kind of old school blues blue collar Bruce Springsteen thing mixed in with like the kind of high falutin opera. And, and I think this just fits me really well. I love it. I love it. What am I, what was I doing? It was like the other night. Oh yes. Okay. Listen, I'm a mid thirties dude. I'm a dad mm-hmm. of two kids mm-hmm. and I get bored and I just sit on TikTok, and it's what I do. Oh yeah. And anybody judging me for it. Fuck you. Uh, also <laughs> you'll, you'll be, if they try it, they'll be addicted to it. Yeah, that's right. Uh, actually, mm-hmm. it's this guy over here who it's Joey. He hasn't been on the show yet, but he'll he'll jump in later. Uh, uh, it's he's the one that got me hooked on it. Uh, all of a sudden, I'm flipping through TikTok and Hayden Gross' face shows up, and I'm like, "What's the Cleveland sports reporter doing on TikTok?" And all of a sudden, he starts singing. I'm like, "Wait a minute! <clears throat> wait, wait, wait a wait a second! You're doing shows around town." You're playing at like Crocker Park. You were out in Geneva, I think. So, like, what's the plan? Where's Where's the singing career going to take you? Wherever it wants. Um, I'm. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I, I love to do that more than anything. Um, you know, I just think, and 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 I love sports. I, I trust me, it's my passion. I would never be able to live without it. And, and like, it'll always be a part of me. But but I love to do that. I love to entertain more than anything. So I, I don't know. I don't know. It's a, it's a very tough thing. Like that's why I got on TikTok and started doing that was because like, I had no place to sing. I had no place to do anything. And finally I was just, like spending hours a day, just singing random songs on TikTok. And all of a sudden, you know, one or two videos got big and and I'm, I'm not, I'm not big on TikTok, but like I have a couple thousand, you know, 15,000 followers. Or something. I'm, like, <laughs> oh, big deal. No, I mean, but it's like, you know, there, there are a lot of kids with like a hundred that whatever, whatever the point may be. So um, it's, it's just a place where I have an outlet to do it, to sing it. And now that, that now that we're finally starting to get live gigs again, it's like, thank God. So I don't know. I don't know where it's going to take me. I do a lot of private gigs. I do a lot of, you know, local around here. I'm doing like curling country club in July. I'm doing, um, you know, fundraisers and benefits and stuff with live, with live bands. So I'm just going to do whatever they want me to do and take, let it take me wherever it wants to take Listen, Hayden, if you ever want to get together, man, we can start a Cleveland Rat Pack, okay? Because uh, you, you, your boy Chad here has been known to have some pipes. Uh, I was a musical theater minor in college. Nice. Uh, okay. I'm a, what? I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a crooner type guy myself. You know, you, know, you can dance. Is, it, 
Every dance with the guy who gives you the eye and let him hold you tight. No, just a taste. That's just a taste. That's, we'll save oh, that for the not, That's not bad. That's not bad. Everybody keep your pants on. Keep your pants <laughs> on, everybody. We we can work with that. We can work with <laughs> yeah, that. Man. That'll be okay. Yeah, man. That's workable. Yeah, like I said, we'll just save for, we'll save, save for the show. That's all right. I just want to give you a little right. taste. Okay. I'll bring you, 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 you come out, I'll bring you up. Who's Chad, that you... whispering in the trees? Oh, what? All right. That's it. Yeah, it, I've considered you a part of the Rat Pack for a long time, but it meant something totally different. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what a dick. What a dick. <laughs> I, I love it, dude. That's awesome. Oh, my God. It's, it, and it's, it's, it's cool, man. Uh, and, and I'm looking forward. Next time you're at Crocker Park on my side of town, I'm like, I'm, I'm watching for the dates. July 4th and September 5th. July 4th, man. I know. September 5th, I like, though. September 5th. Yeah. It's called Date Night with the Wife. There you go. Brought to you by Hayden Grove. Brought to you by Hayden Grove a week before the Browns play. See, that's okay. That's I'll be all excited. Mm-hmm. Date night with the wife. It's a good thing to do with the wife before all of our Sundays get taken over. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's perfect. Uh, all right. The last thing I want to ask you about, and again, uh, I don't want to get like real personal or anything, but you put this on mm-hmm. your Twitter bio. So, so I want to know what it means mm-hmm. to you. You list mm-hmm. yourself as a mental health advocate on your Twitter mm-hmm. bio. You got a really cool t-shirt, uh, like a mental health t-shirt that you wear around mm-hmm. sometimes that I think is cool. Uh, so just, Where's that come from and what does that mean to you? And and why do you post that on your Twitter bio for everybody to see first thing about you? Sure. So um, I don't know if you guys have known, but I've um, I've written this like a couple stories myself about my own battles with mental illness. Um, and they were largely inspired by Kevin Love, who um, I was lucky enough to work around for a couple for, you know, the time that he's been in Cleveland. And he really, you know. When he came out with this story, I just thought, you know, I was in a good place after a lot of struggles. So basically, my story goes as follows. Basically, I'm, I'm not going to go forever. But um, when I was 18, I was in this, like, I, it's this immeasurably dark place. And I couldn't get out of it. I didn't understand why it was happening. Like, I was graduating high school. I was getting ready to go to college by, fr- like, enjoying my friends. Like, it was supposed to be the happiest time in my life. Like, I was the... I was leading the musical. I was playing football. I was doing all this great stuff. And my mind was just like, like this horrible place. And I would like, I couldn't go to sleep at night. My anxiety was so high. And like, it was, it was, it was getting to the point where I was like, I couldn't eat. It, it was just really, really bad. So I didn't really know what was wrong with me. And my parents didn't really know what was wrong with me. And I was just crying all the time. And finally, my dad, who's in the medical field said, I think this is an issue that you're going to have to see a, a psychiatrist see what's, you know, like get, we're going to get you help. Like, you know, we're, this isn't you. We know this isn't you. We know this isn't you just like not figuring it out or getting up after your bootstraps. You know, we know this is an issue. So for that reason, um, they, um, they got me into a psychiatrist and, and I was diagnosed with uh, depression and anxiety. It's pretty, you know, pretty severe on depression and anxiety. And, um, thankfully, I was able to talk to my psychiatrist, was able to, you know, get on medication and, and that certainly helped. And then um, a couple of years later, when I was at Ohio State, I kind of started to wean off the medication because I was feeling good. And uh, that didn't work at all. Uh, kind of got back to even a worse place because mm-hmm. I was still having the same depression, anxiety issues. But then I manifested an eating disorder and I was, you know, 150 pounds. I'm, I'm a tall guy. I'm 6'3". And like, Jeez. it just, my, I was, wow. I was literally skin and bones. And I thought like, and I was eating not to certain, like not eating because I thought like I looked good. It was crazy. So I ended up being di- diagnosed anorexic and then was like, you know what? I talked to my doctor, talked to my parents and it was like, you just have this, this medication might just have to be your life. 
because your brain doesn't produce the serotonin that it normally does. And now it's my mission to not only normalize mental illness, but to normalize, you know, that it's okay to take medicine, that it's okay. Like if we take medicine for diabetes and we take medicine for, um, for any other disease, heart disease, lung disease, kidney disease, whatever. Um, if we're taking a medication to make us better, what's the difference between what's the difference to make your brain a better place to, you know, your brain, as much as your heart makes your body pump, your brain takes over your body. Your brain is the most important piece of your body. And that's not even remotely close because what you think and hear affects everything else. It affects your heart. It affects your everything. So that's been my mission. It's just, just to be very open and honest about my mental illness. And, and I've tried to help a lot of people and, um, it's been really hugely rewarding. Sometimes, you know, it's, it's been tough because some people don't really know how, like I, people have approached me about, um, about how to get help. And it's kind of sad that, that they're feeling so alone that they don't know where, how to, where or how to get help. So um, it's definitely been one of the, you know, huge missions of my life is to use my story, use my past and use my ability to have found my, to myself to be in a good place to help others because I think it's hugely important and it's something we don't nearly discuss enough, especially, especially, especially this is why it resonated so much with me with Kevin Love, especially with men. There's some, right. there's some, for some reason, right. men just, we we're, we're taught to bottle it up and just, you know, be a man and overcome it. And like, I think Kevin Love doing that and Kevin Love and I t- spoke for a while, you know, was lucky enough to have a really, 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 really incredible conversation with him privately. Um, uh, and it's just, I think that especially for men, it's a huge thing. So hundred uh, percent, I'm, I'm trying my best to just to put it out there and to continue to, um, to advocate. So, like I said, to be a mental health advocate and to, to work with people, you know, be either on a, um, like a really kind of more professional level or more of a friendly level or whatever, just to, to allow them to have a space to say, Hey, if, if, if you want to talk to me, if you want to, if you want me to help you, I can do it. You know, I mean, obviously I can't be everything to everyone, but like, if you want to have a conversation for, for a couple hours one day, I'll be there for you. You know, that's right. just what I, what I want to do. Yeah, man. I, I never, I, I never want, I never want anyone to ever feel alone or the way that I did, you know? Yeah, man. I, I totally hear you there, man. You know, it, it was only about three years ago that, uh, you know, I lost my brother way too soon. Uh, oh, man, I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah. And I, uh, you know, I harbored, I harbored a lot of guilt. Uh, mm-hmm. from that, you know, and I still harbor mm-hmm. it today, but, you know, through help, I've learned to manage it. But, you know, mm-hmm. going back to that place, it's like, it, 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 for me, it was almost like, you never, you never truly understand or believe people can actually, if this makes sense, f- can actually like feel those feelings until you're feeling them yourself. Like you just don't understand how someone could feel yeah. so down and so alone yeah. when, when it seems like, when it seems like nothing, nothing is wrong. When it seems like nothing is wrong with their life, but Man, when 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 I got to that place and I I didn't I didn't know how to handle it, and because usually whenever I was in a dark place, I I could, I I, I always seem to be able to dig myself out of. But I, I found myself mm-hmm. in that same hole you talked about, and that I could not get out of. And mm-hmm. and it, I just, it was it was so bad. And and you know got the help like you know got the help that I needed and I'm in such a better place today. But That's yeah, awesome. I, I'm to- yeah. I'm totally with you, man. It is well, I'm, I'm men super do glad not to hear talk that. about it enough today. Yeah. No. And like, that's why I thank you for allowing me to come on and, and tell, you know, and talk about it because it's just, and I thank you for talking about it because, you know, little conversations like this, it's just, it's, it, they seem small, they seem insignificant, but you never know if you hear this and be like, Oh, Hey, you know, I, 
I've had these feelings too. Maybe I can talk about it. And it's just a chain effect. And I think that's what we yeah. just got to keep it going. So, um, so absolutely like kudos to you for saying something. I mean, it's, it's not easy. It definitely isn't easy. Listen, man, we, we have, uh, we want to talk to Hayden Grove whenever he wants to talk to us about Cavs, Indians, Browns, all that stuff. We've had a lot of incredible guests on this podcast through 71 episodes, and I'm sure we'll have plenty more, but it's, it's the moments like you just gave us there telling your story uh, and sharing what that means to you that we are really eternally grateful for you doing that on our show and being willing to open up about that. And even you, Chad, we're, we're, you know, the fact that you bring that up, you guys talking about that stuff will make a difference. Uh, and that, that means something. So we appreciate you opening up about that. We're sorry. You have to be down there watching the Indians, uh, uh for game one, but Hey, Grove, we're going to let you go. We're going to let you do your job down there at progressive field for game two. Hopefully the Indians can get a win. Chad, you look like you got one more thing you want to say. No, I was going to say, I mean, I'll be there in September, man. Let's get a duet going, huh? Like, <laughs> let's go. Let's go. We'll, we'll do I know Baby somewhere. Shark. We'll do Save the Last Dance. It's perfect. Let's let's go. I love All right. It. I'm ready. All I'm right. Ready. Hayden Grove, Cleveland.com, uh, f- covering everything. Uh, he's got plenty of dates, so check him out for singing. Uh, and all that stuff, but go follow him on uh, Twitter at H underscore Grove. Hayden Grove, thank you so much for joining us here. We really appreciate you, and cheers. Guys, cheers. Thank you so much. I wish I could drink one with time. you, but it, it means a lot to you have me on, and um, I, I'm very, very grateful for you guys, so thank you so much. And once again, our thanks go out to Hayden Grove. Go follow him at H underscore Grove on Twitter, and I'm telling you, Chad, I'm, I don't think, I, I don't know that I'm going to Crocker Park on the 4th of July, which is in a couple of yeah. days. Uh, that's a, that's a lot. That's a lot. Uh, right. but I try not to leave home maybe even on that day. Uh, right. but that is Sunday. So maybe it's not that bad. Uh, but September 5th, uh, you bet your ass you're going to find me over at Crocker park, listening to Hayden Grove singing some crooning. So if you can get yep. the wife out, Chad, we can maybe go for a little double date action. That'd be fun. Let's That'd do be a it. Lot of and, fun. But you're Chad, first of all, Listen, we can talk about how great Hayden Grove was. His sports takes, his his story at the end was phenomenal. Sure. We can talk about all that, but Chad, what? Yeah. You were, yeah. Since when were you a singer? Oh, I have been for quite a while. First off, credit to me for smoothing out the conversation in question by the end of the interview there. Uh, well, because the, the beginning was frightening. <laughs> awful. Anyway, uh, yeah, man, I've been... <laughs> I've been singing all my life. I mean, kind of like, uh, kind of like Hayden, but uh, you know, I grew up uh, with the arts. My parents were always taking me to plays. I was always performing. Like I would perform concerts and like sing in my living room, like pretend I was like singing to the ladies and like, Oh, you new know, kids <laughs> on the block. I could see Chad, like, new kids on the moves. block. And, oh, 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 man, was it, oh, was it new kids? Right it was more stuff. like, and it was more like obscure R and B, like 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 there was Millie this group called there was this group called High Five. That oh I loved, yes, that I loved, like 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 singing in there, but like all for one, <laughs> like oh. I would sing to the ladies in there, like all for one. Uh, yeah, and that just evolved, and I just loved the arts. I loved singing. I loved performing in front of people. Uh, yeah, my 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 whole life. So it's uh, maybe one of these days I'm gonna get back on stage into a play, but uh, you'll have to come out and see me. You know, it's funny. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Joey was into music in school. He was a drummer. Dude, yeah. Joe, Joe, 
Joe comes in and just like plays the piano. I, I love it for, for my kids sure. that they grew up musically. I didn't grow up musically. My, my, yeah. my family is not musically inclined in the slightest. Like mm-hmm. nobody yeah. in my family is musically inclined. Nobody. Right. Uh, <laughs> but Joe will come in and like play the piano and Patrick will sit there and play with him. It's a great time. Or um, I remember when he had the drum set in the basement, that was oh, yeah. crazy. Uh, uh, so I think that's cool. I think I was always, so it always hit me. It hit me when he talked about being like an athlete, but also doing musicals and stuff. Right. I was never in the musicals cause I cannot. Nope. Right. However, I was always in theater in high school and I was always yeah. in like, so every year, like my high school, Rocky river high school would do like a non-musical and a musical. Yeah. So I was always in the non-musical and then I didn't do the musical, but like doing sports and the theater, I feel like nowadays it's maybe a little bit more common, more accepted, but yeah. man, when I did it and, and Chad, probably you and, and Hayden back in his day. Yeah. You, you didn't, there was none of that. There was, there was none of like, I, there were no other athletes that did theater. I was the only person that did. And, and okay, hold on time out. Athletes <laughs> quote unquote. Yeah. A, I, was, I was the only quote unquote athlete. Organized exercise. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I was the right. only organized exerciser that also did the theater. Oh, yeah. And, oh, and frankly, dude, I, I was a thousand times better at the theater than I ever was at sports. Oh, dude, I played because I did the same thing with like Hayden. I, I played all sports. I played football, uh, basketball, hockey, and, and, and baseball and track in, in high school. And I, but I also did the plays. But like back when we were growing up, back when we were in high school, I would I would try to hide it because back in our day when we were growing up, that was social suicide. Like you were a, you were you, you were a nerd back in our day growing up if you did that kind of stuff. Right. You know, I I quit I quit band because I wanted to stay in band, but I quit band because the uh, after middle school because the director wanted to refuse to let me stay in a concert band unless I did marching band, which meant I would have had to come out at halftime in my football uniform and, and play in the marching band, which I like, again, again, this is 1997, 1998. Right. I, there's no way in hell I'm doing well, that. And that's the funny thing, Chad, you and I broadcast football games every Friday in the fall. Yeah. yeah. And, and now every school we go to, you see kids coming out in their football uniforms, playing in the band. Right. But back then, no. Mm-mm. So anyways, that was cool. It was a great interview. Our thanks go out again to Hayden Grove. Go follow him at H underscore Grove. Uh, you probably already are. If you're a Cleveland sports fan, you're following Hayden Grove. He covers the Browns, the Cavs, the Indians. He covers everything. Uh, but you heard it. If you're a West Sider, especially uh, Crocker Park, July 4th, September 5th, uh, go check him out singing. He's really, really talented as well. So, uh, again, not a lot left to do here. Chad, uh, I'm going to throw it over to you because uh, you talked about something that you wanted to bring up. So let's let's bring that uh, up. Just real quick, because uh, Joey, I don't know. Did you watch wrestling at all when you were growing up, Joey? No, not as much as you guys did. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, Mike, I just found this to be perplexing a okay. little bit <laughs> because WWE did their top 50 tag teams of all time. OK. Right. So I'm just going to go 10 through one. Obviously, I'm not going to go. You know, I love. Oh, let's 50. do this. I'm so excited for this, dude. Dude. Okay. So number ten was the British Bulldogs. Oh, right. Yeah, this easy. is again. This this is WWE ranking them. Not like fan polls. Nothing. This is WWE ranking the tag team. Yeah, but down. easy top ten. Easy top ten. 
Number nine, the Brothers of Destruction. Right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay? Yeah. Uh, number Undertaker eight, and Kane, age. for those that aren't familiar. Right. Number eight, the New Age Outlaws. Ladies and gentlemen, boys yeah. and girls, children of all ages. The generation X probably presents to you. All right. Uh, number the Road Dog, Jesse James. <laughs> the the Badass Billy Gunn. <laughs> the New Age Outlaws. Yeah, if you can still do that, I haven't seen them. I haven't even heard that in a decade. I haven't heard that. Right. And you can right. still do that. Yeah, phenomenal. So, number seven, the Usos. Uh, okay. How do you feel? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, listen, I'm not going to let recency bias, and, and, and it's like the reverse of recency bias. It's like what I feel like people do with athletes. Like, if it's an athlete you grew up with, you assume they're better than any athlete you're watching now. Right. But the, right. Usos, the Usos, Usos have been around for a long time. They are right. currently still a part of the biggest uh, thing that the WWE is doing right now. So, yeah, okay. Jimmy and Jake get their credit. I'm okay with that. Number six, the Legion of Doom. Uh, I would have put them higher than that. Right? right. Like if you, I mean, if you ask me top uh, tag teams of all time, the Legion of Doom is one of the first ones that come to my head. Sure, sure. And, and, and that's uh, why. And that, what a rush. Yeah, I mean, and, that, and it, basically it was Hawk. Like, Animal was kind of like just the guy on their side. Hawk was the one everybody associated Legion of Doom with. They want to rush. And, and, but, and, and an iconic and at the time, unbelievable finishing move. Nobody did anything like that at the time. Oh, sure. So uh, I think they're ranked uh, too low. Number five, the Dudley Boys. Okay. Fair. Okay. I'd put uh, Legion no, of Doom above that, but fair. Number four, Edge and Christian. Okay. 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 Uh, number, number three, the Heart Foundation. Uh, yeah, of course. Number two, the Hardy Boys. Um, top 10, sure, but not number two. And, and number one is the reason why I wanted to bring this list up to you. Okay. Okay. It's got to be the Rockers, right? Uh, the New Day. Uh, right. Okay. Uh, right. Okay. I, I, okay. All right. I. I. Okay. All right. Okay. 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 <sighs> you sound like Joe Pesci and Lethal Weapon. Okay. 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 All right. okay, okay Here's okay. my thoughts. I, there's nobody that you brought up that I thought was egregious. Yeah. Even like the New Day. Again, I think there's part of that, like uh, they're recent, so we can't. But like, think of think of how big they have been for the past more maybe 10 years or more right like right like and what they did for those guys career like uh i don't know um i don't know that xavier woods is like a common name without the fact that he was that third guy in the new day sure right and it made kofi kingston a, a a world champion Right. They were comfortable putting him as the world champion because of the new. So I don't have a problem with the new day being top five. I just yeah. like I think Legion of Doom is too low. I think it's a little crazy. I'm trying to think of some of the who is who is like 10 through eight. 10 through eight British Bulldogs, 10 Brothers of Destruction, nine and New Age Outlaws, eight. So I actually would probably bring the Brothers of Destruction out. 
Because yeah. those guys, it's cool that they were a tag team, but those guys were individual wrestlers. Right, sure. I, I think you're missing the Rockers with Shawn yeah. Michaels and Marty Jannetty. I think you're 100%. missing the Killer Bees. Yeah. Like, the Killer Bees were the jam back in the day. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, B. Brian Blair and Jumpin' Jim Brunzel. Uh, That's right. Uh, but in the end, like you've got the Heart Foundation in there, you've got the New Age Outlaws have to be in there. Like, sure. I, I don't, I don't, I don't think anything's egregious. I think I might just reorder it a little bit. Right? Yeah. That's that was my thinking too. Is like New Day was like New Day is definitely in my top ten for sure. Just because, stri- strictly off of entertainment from an entertainment oh. aspect, they are wildly entertaining in their promos. But like in ring, they didn't do really anything that just wowed me. So I, I've only bought me. I've only bought I bought like a couple of those homage T-shirts, like the Undertaker homage shirt yeah. and the Ultimate yeah. Warrior one that I think you have now, too. Uh, yeah. I've only bought as an adult. I've only bought two sheet T-shirts directly from WWE. Yeah. I bought a Dolph Ziggler because of a connection that I have with Dolph Ziggler. And <laughs> we had him on the podcast, but then I didn't record it. So that's great. Yeah. Way uh, to go. And. I bought the Bootios t-shirt and I still have it. And I, I love the Bootios t-shirt. Like uh, even my wife, when, when that package arrived and my wife was like, what is that? And I was like, it's the Bootios. Don't worry shirt. about she it. Like, no, Don't she was like, it. she was like, Oh, that's hilarious. Like <laughs> I think as so, so to give it credence as an adult, I have spent money to have a t-shirt sent <laughs> the most uncomfortable t-shirts, by the way, the WWE makes the most uncomfortable t-shirts of the new day and it came in a cereal box of bootios oh that's phenomenal. awesome phenomenal so uh, that's yeah, worth that's yeah. worth the price to, to begin with man that's awesome yeah anyways i don't i don't see a lot of egregious i just think i think when i think of classic tag teams i think of the road warriors probably first right they yeah. were they were transcendent they did things that nobody else was doing demolition the heart I think, oh, Demolition. Demolition's my all-time favorite. But <laughs> but they were also kind of fat old guys at the time. <laughs> like, they, they were fat old guys that had failed individual careers. And then yeah. they formed Demolition and they were cool, right? But you could go back. You can do the, uh, the Head Shrinkers. You can do the Wild the Samoans. Some of my favorite, the Wild Samoans. Oh, I love those guys. They were they were in that ten to twenty range. Those ones you the two you just mentioned. Yeah, but like, uh, what about what about the Natural Disasters? Right, earthquake right? and tugboat. Earthquake. I, they it's, might be in well, the top. 10. He was he was typhoon in in the natural. Oh, that's disasters. true. That's true. Remember, he was typhoon. Earthquake and typhoon tugboat. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know the best thing about that guy, right? Is that he was the guy in WCW that crashed through the wall? What was his name? Uh, oh, I don't remember what his name was. But they put him in a. Uh, they put this guy in a. Uh, he was tugboat in the WWF for the longest time, and he was like a big star. And they put him in a stormtrooper helmet, and they painted it silver, <laughs> and they and they voiced him with a guy in the back, like as like a robot voice. And I don't remember what his name <laughs> was in the WCW, but his. His dem uh, like his debut in the WCW, he like came crashing through a wall, and he was supposed to like kind of like like the Kool Aid Man crash through the wall, and it was going to be cool. 
Well, it wasn't cool. He crashed through the wall and he fell and he tripped and his helmet came off and he was like crawling. He was like crawling around on the ground trying to put his helmet back on. That was the greatest. Joey, like with Tugboat and as Tugboat in the WWE, this guy, they, they, granted, this guy was probably six, eight, like close to 400 pounds, very mobile, by the way. Uh, but they dressed him in like a sailor outfit. Like he, he looked like he was in a musical slash the village people. Like it was like one of the worst combinations. He was the shock ever... master in WCW. The shock That's master. It. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that's what that's what I wanted to bring up. I thought that was an interesting list. I, you know, I loved that. I loved it. Uh, and while I have other favorites, I, I can't complain too much about the list. I, no, I think the list no, is fine. I don't think so. So I don't think so. I love it. I love. I think that's a good way for us to end. Uh, uh, we've got tonight. We've got hockey going on. The last time I looked, the Stanley Cup game two was tied one to one. The Indians got smoked by the Tigers, but they're about to start game two. I think they just did. The uh, yeah. The Clippers and the Suns are on again tonight. What were you saying? I'll say the Tampa Bay Lightning actually just went up two to one uh, at the end of the second period. Uh, a buzzer beater literally scored with 0.3 seconds left on the clock. Oh, they're so, so good. They're, they're so good. Yeah. Yeah. They're so good. Yeah. This is going to be a they're quick so series. Let's, let's not forget about the Tampa Bay Lightning next year when we're talking about the NHL. Okay, okay guys? Okay, guys? Okay, guys? We'll make that mistake again. Nah. Hey, guys, they're going to be the first back-to-back champions since the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, 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 Anyway, so a lot of cool stuff going on. Uh, uh, But, yeah, I think that's going to do it for us. Before we get out of here and say our goodbyes, uh, I have sent out a couple more things this week. GarageBeerShop.com. I'm wearing the shirt right now. I got the hat. I love it. Chad can't even wear the hat, but it fits his kid. Uh, but right. the, shirts, the hat, they are phenomenal. You can go buy a shirt or a hat. We have a combo where you get a little bit of a deal if you buy the shirt and the hat together. But go to garagebeershop.com, get your order in there now, and I will get that thing in the mail to you ASAP. So, again, that's going to do it. Uh, we send out our thank yous first and foremost. Our thank you goes to the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. We appreciate being uh, part of the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. We are proud to be a part of them. Our next thank you goes out to be uh, to our special guest, Hayden Grove from cleveland.com on Twitter at H underscore Grove. Great insight on sports, great uh, stories about his singing career and a really, really cool, inspiring story there about his mental health journey. Hayden Grove, go follow him. We really appreciate him being a part of the podcast. And our last thank you, as always, and our biggest thank you goes out to you, the listener. We appreciate you. Get out there. Follow our social media. Give us a like. Give us a follow. Subscribe to our podcast. Leave us a rating. And uh, and as always, we really, really appreciate you. So for Chad over there on the east side of Cleveland, for Joey right here next to me on the west side, I am Michael Keefe saying go follow us at The Garage Beers. Thank you for listening. And cheers, everybody. Cheers.